good morning to you. Hope you're having a fabulous Friday. Give yourself a pat on the back. You made it through the week. Dave Bennett, are you patting yourself on the back? too hard there. You deserve... Hey, you deserve kudos every day, sir. You're fantastic. If you're working a traditional work week, you've made it. We're going to help you get through, start your Friday off right, and um, hopefully head you straight into the weekend. Uh, we've got our whole crew here this morning. We've hey, got... you're not Steve. I know I'm not Steve. Yeah. This is not Steve Cochran's voice. It's because uh, he is out sick today. We are sending our well wishes to really? Steve Cochran. He has a cold. <laughs> Steve, we want you back here Monday, healthy. Yeah, he was hacking up along yesterday. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, as he always is. He's got Um, the sniffles. This is the voice of G. Suki, otherwise known as G, and uh, I'm over my three-month mark with you guys. What? Yeah. Already? Yes. I mean, have you enjoyed having me here? (laughs) I love having you here. Are you kidding? I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Thank you. You wake us up every morning. Uh, Time flies when you're having fun. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for having me and putting up with me. Okay, so I'll be in for Steve today. Um, I think we have a lot to cover. I want to check in with what everybody's doing for the weekend, but maybe we can get to that later on the show. Sure. Super Joe wants to keep me on time. He's holding holding my hand throughout this. He's such a superior technical director. So uh, shall we start the top six at six? Do it. Now for some more news. Ready? Welcome to the Top 6 at 6. What? On the Steve Cochran Show. That is great radio. This is your first look at what people, animals, and assorted fruits and vegetables <laughs> will be talking about today. Here we go. Former Los Angeles Police Chief Charlie Beck will be announced as the interim Chicago Police Superintendent. Steve Grzanich, you got some more on this? No, that's uh, that's all I have. You know, the, the story yesterday, and I think it's probably going to be announced today, is that uh, he will shadow Eddie Johnson, uh, who's going to stay on through the end of the year, mm-hmm. to sort of get the lay of the land so that it'll be a smoother transition between the two leaders. And this is not, he doesn't want to be the permanent chief, right? He's just interim. Well, I don't know that. I have Ooh. not seen that. I mean, I, I think um, yeah, I wouldn't say that. I think okay. that, that there's a good possibility that he might throw his hat in the ring for it. Um, so I, I would keep an open mind on that. Gotcha. Thanks for that clarification. Next, <laughs> the company Transformco that owns Sears and Kmart plans to close more than one third of its remaining large format stores less than a year after they survived bankruptcy. Set to close are 51 Sears stores and 45 Kmart locations. Uh, two of those stores are in Illinois. Next, <laughs> Airbnb says it will spend the next year verifying that all seven million of its listings are accurate and that the homes and rooms being offered for short term stays meet basic quality standards. Now, the company is trying to improve user trust and make it easier for guests and hosts to report problems and obtain refunds when things go wrong. The changes were announced after Vice News uncovered a rental scam that happened in Chicago. Have you guys Airbnb'd it? I don't. My kids do it all the time. It's all they do. I have, and uh, I have to tell you, I have to ask this question. Why weren't they doing this all along? Wouldn't that have been made? (laughs) Wouldn't this job have been made easier if they'd been doing this all along? Well, I assume that they were always making sure that the listings were accurate so you didn't show up, think, you know, at like a, what you would think is going to be this gorgeous townhouse and it's like this little shack or something. Yeah, but that Vice <laughs> story, everybody go read that Vice story if you use Airbnb because it really is kind of frightening the way that there was sort of a bait and switch kind of situation that really was dramatic. Well, I know they've been in the news too for all of these uh, house parties that people are having in Airbnbs and it's kind of, you know, upsetting neighbors of uh, people that rent their places out on Airbnb. 
Yeah, and people have been finding hidden cameras in Airbnbs, and no! there've been a, oh yeah, there've been a whole list of things. Oh yeah, that always look for have, those when you go. No, that's so scary. Yeah. What Mary Vandeveld? Where would be the first place you would look for a hidden camera? In the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, but you know, anymore you can get like GoPros and stuff that are so small. Oh, I mean, yeah. how would you even know? Scary guys. Bedrooms, bathrooms. Too scary. I gotta move on. Yep. With Black Friday around the corner, the season yeah. of sales has just begun. Adidas is joining the party with a holiday savings deal where the more you buy, the more you save. It's just the sort of thing we all like. Today is the last day when you can score twenty dollars off purchases of one hundred dollars or more, fifty dollars off orders of one seventy five or more, and one hundred dollars off buys over three hundred dollars with code BMS. M19. Again, that code is BMSM, as in Mary, 19. All right. Happy shopping. Just Adidas, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pringles has a new limited Thanksgiving flavors this year that was released yesterday. I am so excited about this story. Each Friendsgiving kit, that's what it's called, includes six different Pringles flavors turkey, duck, chicken, stuffing, Cranberry sauce and pumpkin pie. The poultry. Oh, I think I'm gonna <laughs> I can get hear the groans already. The poultry flavored chips are meant to be. And just repeat that again. Okay. Poultry <laughs> yes. flavored chips. I think you like it, Dave. No. The, the no, 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 poultry no, no, no. flavored Jeez. chips are meant to be stacked together oh. for a turducken experience with the others as sides. The special kit was released yesterday on KelloggStore.com, and you can only order this online from what I read. Now oh, that's a shame. <laughs> so do you just stack all six flavors and ma- make one giant chip and have one are they like, all, Yeah, are they all in the same no, can together um, They're in a kit together, so it's um, it's not uh, the round, it's not the cylinder, the tall cylinder, it's a flat kit, and it looks like a meal, like a TV and dinner. how much is that going to cost me? That I don't know. <laughs> but, Super Joe, to answer your question, you should stack the turkey, the duck, and the chicken. That is the turducken. Probably the stuffing as well, because stuffing is usually in the poultry. And then throw some pumpkin pie in there. Why not? <laughs> no, then you have those as a side. You have the cranberry sauce and the pumpkin pie. Any, no one, Steve Grzanich, you're the only one I think that would take this on. These Pringles? Yes. I'll try them, sure. <laughs> Where's wow. the green bean casserole Pringle? Uh, Mary, that, you're going to have to come up yeah. with those. <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> According to a new study, your odds of landing a partner for wintertime are pretty good. Chicago ranks fourth on the list of cities having the most fun and looking to casually date. I think we know what that means. Indianapolis took the top spot with Denver and San Diego ahead of us. You know what they say. That uh, summer's all fun. It's all about being on the boats and in the playpen and all of this. On the patios, drinking on the rooftops. But everyone needs to kind of settle down and fall because we're going to be freezing to death and you need somebody to cuddle with. Nesting. Yes. Dave, you have a permanent nester. So do you, Mary Vandeveld. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. But what do you think about this? This is a good, good story, right? Yeah, I'm just surprised... And I've been to Indianapolis many times. It's a wonderful <laughs> yeah, city. what's going on I'm there, just, Dave? I'm a little surprised to see <laughs> Indy at the top of the list. There's an underbelly you didn't know about. Yeah, I all guess right. not. That is your top six at six. That's it. That's all today for the top six at six. No more. 
Hey, listen, right after this, we're going to be taking the first call with Lou. So be sure to call 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200. Be sure to be the first one to get your first call in with Lou for any home ownership questions. Hello. It's time to learn it all. You're on Lou's first call. Hello. Lou's first call is sponsored by Gilkey Windows, Chicago's only family-owned direct-to-consumer window manufacturer. We look forward to talking to home improvement expert Lou Manfredini every Friday. Of course, he has House Smarts Radio right here on WGN Radio 720 AM tomorrow, Saturday morning. From uh, what time to what time? Is Lou? that tomorrow? Yes, it is tomorrow. <laughs> oh you better gosh. be here. I Everyone. always keep forgetting it's Saturday mornings. It's well, you, you, Do you ever get up in the morning and you don't know where you are, Dave? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty much every day. A lot where of am I? Oh, it's, it's Saturday. Uh, yeah, it's it's tomorrow morning, starting at 7, 7 to 10 tomorrow. Awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. so we have your first call. Here is uh, Brian. Hi, Brian from Rogers Park. How are you doing? I'm okay. Thank you very much. Okay. What's been going on with you? What's your question for Lou? Oh, Lou, I've got a problem with my garage door opener. It's happened in the past. I've got a Genie garage door opener. It just doesn't work. In the past, you hit the start button and press that for a while till it flashes and have my remote opener and it's just not and press the remote opener button and eventually it links and it works it's not happening for me this time how old is that unit oh my 20 plus years okay and do you know on that unit when the door you know when the door is closed do you have uh two little eyes that are facing each other Yes, I do. You do. Okay. And have you inspected to make sure that those things are aimed properly? Typically on those eyes, there's a little green light. And they you know, they have a little clamp, um, a little bracket that's mounted to the track itself. And those two eyes have to be looking at each other and pointed in the right direction. And you should have green indicator light on both sides, meaning that they're pointed correctly. If they're not, that can cause... Um, some it- intermittent activity from the transmitter. That's one thing to check. And so I would check that first. Then as far as the transmitter, I'm certain you've probably done things like change the batteries already and done that. Yes, I have. Okay. If if you realigning the the lighting system there doesn't help and or now you've done the batteries and you've probably unplugged the unit and plugged it back in, then you just might have some transmission problem. You can buy a new... um, Oh, no controller no 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 you can buy a new controller without having to change the box meaning that you'd get new remotes and a new transmitter that you would mount on the system and then the if you follow the uh you know the button you have on the wall there's wires that are stapled to the inside there's two little contacts that it goes to 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 you know engage the the opener does that switch work no matter what Oh, the, the switch on the wall? Yes, yeah. it does. Okay. So if you buy a new transmitter and you connect the wires to that same two contacts and you use the two remotes, then you'll then you'll eliminate the remote that you have, whatever the controller and transmitter is inside the Genie unit. Now you're just operating with new remotes. Now, by the time you do all that, I mean, that new transmitter may cost you 100 bucks. Yes. A new <laughs> opener is 200 Right. For 25-year opener, I'd replace the opener. Gotcha. So first and foremost, check the eyes on the floor and make sure they're lighting and functioning. Second option, get a new transmitter. Third, get a new everything. Correct. Wow. Okay. 
Brian, you are an excellent listener, and I like how you organized <laughs> all of the points that Lou made here. And he's writing them step all down. One, step two, yep. step three. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I like that. So that's not terrible news, Brian. I mean, this is very good. First, hopefully, it'll be just the first step, and that's all you'll need. Right. <laughs> thank you for thank you for taking my call. Yeah, you thank got it. You. Great day. Thanks for calling in, Brian. So, Lou, with the weather changing so quickly and oh. people probably not being prepared for it to get this cold, what are some of the things that people need to sort of check on? I'll when- tell you exactly what they need to check on because I was driving in this morning. And I looked at my thing, my indicator on the car. It said it was nineteen degrees. Everybody still has their garden hose connected to the side of the house. Oh, I have one. I have one. I I did disconnect, but and the other the one other was not. stuck. And so the problem with that is with those garden hoses still connected, even though you may have a frost proof uh, hose bib on the outside, mm-hmm. the water can freeze inside the hose right at the end, and then it can travel up into that pipe that's part of the frost proof system and here's the the risk in all this it can crack that pipe and you won't know that it's cracked until the spring when you turn the hose back on oh my so (laughs) everyone right now listening before you go to work or you're home today and you're probably going to need a pair of pliers because it's so cold grab that hose and just disconnect it you don't have to put it in if you don't want because the hose is probably frozen but just disconnect it from the spigot I'm I'm leaving right now. <laughs> you should have I, seen Dave. I'm going to take a personal day. <laughs> Is it too late for that? Um, right. Mary, I know you had something. Uh, can you do it pretty quick? Yeah, yeah, just quick. Uh, Lou, you know our basement flooded recently oh. because of roots right. and the uh, the clean out whatever valve right. thing. Anyway, so we're having people come over and check it out. Last guy came over. He said he wants to pick up the house because our house is sinking because it's over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. He wants to pick up the house on one side and put that membrane down or something. To prevent water coming through the cement blocks because they're porous and they're, you know, it's getting right. through. What do you think about right. that? These well, first guides come over so far. I mean, and, and we know you're in Villa Park and the soil yeah. conditions there are tough. A lot of people have that issue with uh, the soil conditions out there. The membrane part of it with a with a, a, a foundation that's made out of block, it is super porous. That is a huge job. <laughs> and you might, if it were me, I would get a second opinion to do some perimeter drain tile on the inside with a sump pump to manage the water as opposed to lifting up the house and trying to create uh, a membrane situation. Because with block, you get a lot of movement. Now, that's not saying that you don't need to support that, and you can do things like what they call push piers that go down into the bedrock, and then they anchor underneath there. But I would stabilize the home, and then I would do perimeter drain tile to manage the water, and that way you don't have any concern. Okay, I'll tell my husband. Yeah, keep working. Doesn't Mary, sound good. Make that his. Uh, put that on top of That's the list. That's a lot harder yeah. than the garage door. I know. Yeah, this is a gave. project. Oh, this poor is a Mary. Massive project. Oh well. Thank you, Lou. We really appreciate you calling in. Thanks, All right, it's Saturday. Don't tomorrow, forget I think. tomorrow's Seven Saturday. O'clock. You got to right, be I'll here. Wake up. Okay, <laughs> Lou's first call is sponsored by Gilkey Windows, independently verified to be one of the country's most energy efficient windows. Six thirty-seven, the Steve Cochran Show for Friday morning. On with the Jisuki, Dave Ennett. Steve is under the weather and out this morning. And always a pleasure to welcome 
Brian Bickle to the studio, longtime friend of the show and the radio station. And but it's even nicer when he brings his lovely wife Amanda here uh, this morning to talk about the great work of the Brian and Amanda Bickle Foundation. Welcome. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing great. Wonderful. You look so fantastic for so early in the morning. Uh, we're back home. We're an hour ahead. So we're, we're ahead of you guys. Head start. And just flew into town, Brian, former Blackhawk, and you know the thing that that. I, I still can't quite get my hands around is the idea that the Blackhawks 2010 Stanley Cup was 10 years ago this season. And and I mean, you were just getting started. You were a part of that, but you were kind of just getting your career off the ground. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. 10 years uh, from the first win we had um, in the city for the Hawks. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of cool. You know, they're doing a, a thing for the whole year. They're bringing in players and they're doing different tributes of the of the season i know during the the um, the convention they're doing a bunch of stuff so to be a part of that um was kind of cool i'm i'm waiting for the 13 and the 15 so i can come back and, and do different things but um we're 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 enjoying life we're just hanging out so me, you guys and the wife yeah you like you like getting back here right you just came in last night amanda yeah we love being back here i mean it definitely feels like a second home to us so any chance that we get to come back we're we're right on it well thank you guys for giving back so much love that you set up a foundation um and tell us about this new project that you have uh bix pits yeah so bix pits actually is one of our oldest running uh programs where we feature adoptable dogs in a calendar every year uh um, it has gotten, you know, a lot of dogs, over 200 dogs adopted out over the past, I think, about eight years that we have done it. So it's it's been great. Typically, we will feature, you know, uh, athletes or celebrities that will, you know, stand in with these adoptable dogs. However, this year we decided to make it a little bit different and we wanted to showcase first responders. So the real you know, celebrities of the city. I love that. I love that, you know, everyday heroes that give so much to the community, along with dogs that are often, um, a lot of people have misconceived ideas about pit bulls. But I have friends who have pit bulls, and they say they're the most lovely dogs you can adopt. Yeah, no doubt. They really are. Um, I think that things are turning around, and people are really starting to realize that. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a long haul. You're also in the calendar, which you've come out with every year. I think this is the sixth one. Uh, but but there's something a little different this year with the first responders as well. Yes, we're really excited about that, you know, to showcase, you know, real life heroes in the city and uh, also get these dogs adopted out. How did you uh, select which uh, first responders were going to be in the calendar? You know what? A lot of people were wondering if we were going to go based on looks and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and make it that kind of thing. We really didn't. We had people, um, a lot of people didn't even send in photos and we just kind of looked at their story. And so we're going to showcase and put a little blurb about like who they are or what they did for the city as well now did any of the uh, first responders that posed with the dogs end up adopting the dog that they posed with (laughs) we've had a lot of them like have interest and be really excited about it but so far i haven't heard anything how many dogs do you guys have we have one we lost one a couple years ago um but we still have one. <laughs> so when did you guys first fall in love with pit bulls? How did this happen that you, you know, your eyes were open to? Yeah, so it was about um, our, our dog that we have, the one, she's about 14 years old. So it was about 14 years Aww. ago when we saw her. What's her name? Bailey. Oh. 
And we kind of saw her, she was kind of being uh, mistreated, uh, and we decided to kind of take her away, and so we rescued her. And from then, right after that, in Canada, the Pitbull ban started. At that point, we had to, you know, put a muzzle on her. She was only a little puppy. She was not allowed to go to dog parks. She wasn't allowed to go to puppy class. No one would accept her. All of these things, and we couldn't understand why, because, again, she was this tiny, cute little puppy. And it grew from there and started to get worse, you know, the misconception of who she was. And at that point is where we started, like, fell in love with her and started to realize that people had this, you know, misconception about these dogs. And that was when we came to Chicago and decided we needed to be a voice. Well, you've got first responders, uh, f- you know, f- from lots of places, from uh, Chicago, Morton Grove, Romeoville, Homewood, Frankfurt. Um, any particular first responder that you'd like to share their story um, with us? Yeah, I mean, well, we we have so many, so many great ones. I don't want to throw it all out. Okay, there. Gotta okay. Get the calendar you got it. Where do we get the calendar? <laughs> where where can we um, buy it? Yeah, so you can buy it online at BicklefOundation.org, and they'll be available mid uh, December. Um, yeah, Dave, Brian, you look great. Everybody, I think, is aware that uh, you have been battling multiple sclerosis now for I think what's it about three years? Yeah, since going you've on three years diagnosed. now. How how you feeling? How you doing with it? Oh, feeling great. Um, you know, obviously, there's good days, there's bad days, but uh, overall, it's um, you know, it's been good, but it's it's been tough. At the same time, that first year coming out of uh, you know playing was the the toughest. You miss the game, you miss your your buddies, you miss the road, you miss the fans and stuff like that. Um, mentally, that was a, a tough to- task on you know us, and um, you know I think things are getting better um, every day, every every year. Um, uh, my health is good. I just need to stay active and and eat the right things, not. Uh, Overstress because that uh, that does cause symptoms. Which I have a, a five and three year old, which it, they don't do any <laughs> of that. Yeah. But um, overall, Not it's been pretty good. Um, transition's been um, it's been getting better over the the months, and um, just spending time with my lovely wife that I Aww. usually uh, wow. get the you know leave to go on the road. Now we're you know we're always near each other. We've been together for I don't know twenty years now or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you were, guys were like high school sweethearts, yeah, right? Yeah, true so, love. So how do you spend your time? Are you fishing? I'm, oh yeah, I, I, do I a guess. Lot of fishing. I do a lot of fishing. <laughs> um, you know, just being a dad. Um, yeah. You know those things that I get the miss. Uh, when I was playing, I get to do it now, which is you know see these kids grow, and there there been a handful of times, but it's been special. Um, obviously, fishing is my big passion in the summertime. Um, but our new thing, we just got it. We just bought a cottage we want to use through our foundation um, to um, provide uh, retreats for with people with MS. Uh, um, the people that are you know never had the opportunity because they're you know stable was uh, worrying about their MS and and worrying about that so our next goal back home um to give these families a retreat and we're gonna you know do it through our cottage and do it that way yeah just kind of like a getaway for uh people that you know really need to take their mind off of things and uh so we will bring them in free of charge and provide them with activities and that kind of stuff that is all geared towards you know things that people with ms can do tremendous that is absolutely incredible um thank you guys so much for being with us today brian and amanda bickle with the brian and amanda bickle foundation 
Bix Pitts, the calendar. Mm-hmm. It's hot, everybody. You want one. It's going to be a great stocking stuffer. It's a great great stocking for the holidays, stuffer. right? And where can people go find it again? Yep, BicklFoundation.org. Oh, well, thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you, Brian. We're about to enter the third week of November, and that is scary for me because usually I am running very behind on all of my holiday shopping and everything that I need to do. Dave, you did con- you confessed to me yesterday that you normally don't do any of the shopping. Well, no, it's and it's actually I'm very upfront about it. <laughs> yeah, because I I don't know, my wife and I don't really shop much for each other. We shop for the kids and and that's right. and she does most of that. Right. Um do you end up giving gift certificates or cash or do you actually give physical tangible gifts? Kind of both. Oh, kind of both. Okay. Yeah, well, kind of both. You- because you know, I think the kids always have something they're saving for, so they'd mm-hmm. like a few bucks for right. that. Like, you know, to maybe for a trip or something, or my son needed some hockey or golf equipment, so he wanted a gift card. Well, there are those people that get all of their shopping done ahead of time, and they're ready, yes. they're prepared for the holidays, they're on it, they're on top of things. If you're one of those people, I want to hear from you, because I want to get to know you a little bit better. 312-981-7200. Mary Vanderbilt, I was about to go to you. I was no. wondering if, because I feel like you're a very organized person. I am usually, but I tell you, with Christmas, I, I get behind. I really do. With Because cards and, you know, all the other stuff you have to do, the baking, the cards, the shopping, you know, so I'm always behind. But I, I've already, I've been to a few craft shows, so I always find cool stuff at craft shows. So I've already started. I'm the person that ends up sending out the New Year's Eve, like New Year's card at the end of January. Because well, I don't people get, do that. Yeah, I don't get any of it out. But I, you know, here's a study. Uh, do you know that most Americans are going to rack up more than $1,000 in holiday debt um, over the holidays. And instead of paying them off within three months, as they should, um, most of them will end up carrying it for five months or even longer. And if you only pay the minimum payments, of course, because it's so easy to just put it on your credit cards, it could take more than five years. So I'm always looking for gifts that are affordable and that are fun to give. So I'm wondering if you would like any of these gifts. I found them on uh, MSN.com. These are hilarious gifts because I feel like if you can't give an expensive gift or something that people really want, just give them something funny. Uh, how about a Let's Funny Burrito Tortilla Wrap Blanket? This is a round blanket that looks like a tortilla and you can wrap yourself in it. Oh, I and think it I've seen like those. A burrito. They See, look people really already wrap themselves like a burrito, <laughs> but now you'll actually look like one, which makes this gift so perfect. So you could wrap yourself in a red blanket and then get inside this blanket so it looked like salsa. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. The only downside to that, if you have the flu or something and you're sick and you're like looking at a burrito. <laughs> Well, it's just the tortilla wrap, so it does really look like a tortilla wrap. It's only seventeen ninety nine. It's pretty funny, you know. Keanu Reeves has made a really uh, big comeback, um, also making headlines with his new girlfriend that people are confusing with Helen Mirren, although um, they're not the same person. Um, there's a new pillow with a Keanu Reeves face on it with the sequins. You know, the pillows where you can um, smooth the sequins one way and it's oh, just yeah. a sequin. Those are cool. But then when you smooth the sequins the other way, you, it reveals a photograph and it's mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves face. So I can lay on Keanu Reeves yes, face. I know. Oh. What dreams are made of. Only $22. <laughs> um, we've also got this awesome um, 
like knit cap that also has a knit beard as well. And it actually looks like a grown man's beard. Um, but it's for, uh, especially for little kids. And it's super cute. And it keeps their faces warm. Kind of looks like Justin Kaufman. Yeah, it's only eighteen ninety nine. Okay, so I think I have somebody right. Hi, Pat. Uh, Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. So you live in Hoffman Estates, and I am hearing that you are already you've done your shopping. You're on top of things. Yeah, not quite all of it, but you know, I I was shopping this this summer. Um, you know, take advantage of sales. I always think of Christmas in July. And when you've got sales, you know, the merchandise from the summertime that goes on sale, you can't buy that for people, you know, around here. You have to be, you know, really particular about what you're getting. But, um, no, I like to start in July, and I've got uh, my daughter is already bought for, and I don't have many people that I need to shop for. You know, I have a summer home up in Eagle River, um, not too far from where Mary goes, you know, too, in the in the summer. I like to give business to, you know, little towns and places like Eagle River yeah, and buy too. stuff there. Yeah. And then you have to have an envelope that you mark and you put your receipts in there and then you mark down the name of the person and those receipts go in there so that whenever you have to return something, you're all ready with that. Pat, are you somebody that's organized in every aspect of your life? Sort of. You know, I can't say in everything. Um, I try. You know, I really do try. But, Pat, this is the problem I have. When I buy early, I forget where I hid these gifts or where that I even bought them, and then all of a sudden you forget, right? Well, you know what? On that envelope... I mean, you've got you've got to put the person's name, and then the receipt goes in there, and then you have to put on that envelope where you put stuff. You've got to stash it somewhere oh. in a closet. It's a good you idea. Know, th- that master envelope is really re- important. Okay, I'll get you on know. that. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Pat. We really appreciate you calling oh, in. Oh, you're welcome. Happy shopping to everybody. Have fun at the cabin. And it sounds like, Mary, you might be like a squirrel. You squirrel things away, and then you can't find them afterwards. Well, well yeah, you just, I don't know, you buy things so early that you forget you bought them. <laughs> and, and then you go to wrap presents, you're like, oh, I forgot about this. Now the kid, you know, this kid has too many presents. Or if you're trying to, you know, make it fair or whatever, which is always a challenge. A couple of more uh, funny but cheap uh, gifts, stocking stuffers. There's bacon air freshener in the shape of bacon. It smells like bacon. Would you like that in your car? Bacon? The no. fresh bacon? smell of bacon? What? Yes, bacon? exactly. <laughs> Rosanna's just The maple kind? Yep. There's a, a squirrel in underpants, a deluxe air freshener as well for oh, wait, $4.75. Wait, 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 wait. It's what super cute. It's a squirrel air freshener. What's with the underpants? Well, I don't know. See, it's a funny. It's a very funny thing. And then, for somebody that really enjoys playing board games, there is a lightning reaction shocking game for $34.99 if... Uh, you hold on to these little handles that are uh, metal shaped and then the game as you play the game there's a literal shock if you get the answer wrong oh i like that it's very Sounds like operation <laughs> what's the name of that one again <laughs> it is called the lightning reaction shocking game okay coming up after the news we've got coach fitz northwestern university football coach thanks have a great rest of the day go cats <laughs> Friday morning, we visit with the head football coach of the Northwestern Wildcats, Pat Fitzgerald, here on the Steve Cochran Show. Dave Ennett, G. Suki. Steve is off this morning under the weather. Coach, good morning. How you doing? 
Yep. When we get the win, uh, we're not, we're not going to have uh, our good friend on anymore. So this could be a new tradition. I love it. Yeah, didn't this happen once before where uh, Steve was <laughs> was sidelined? He showed up on the injury report, and then uh, you guys went out and won? <laughs> yes, and, and we debated whether or not having him on again, and, and now look where we're at. Well, it is the show. The name is his show, right? The Steve Cochran show. So I guess we don't really have that option. It's yeah. Look where you are. It's been a tough season, but you said this week, and if I'm quoting you correctly, you are one million percent confident that you're going to get this team back to where it's been the past several years. Where do you get that confidence? Well, the guys are working so hard. I mean, it would be one thing if they weren't putting the effort in during the week uh, to prepare. And, and uh, you know, I just believe in them so much. Uh, you know, obviously there's some things I think we can get corrected now over the last month of the season. And there's some other things they're going to have to, you know, get corrected here in the off season coming up, uh, you know, in a couple months. So, uh, you know, bitterly disappointed with our record. There's no doubt, you know, this time last year we were getting ready to uh, – uh, you know, go and, and hopefully put ourselves in position to win a Big Ten championship. So, uh, you know, we'll be back there. I, I, I know that for sure and, and uh, feel very confident about that. You know, it's the nature of sports. Things are so unpredictable. I mean, you're not the only program in the Big Ten that I think if you'd looked uh, before the season, you'd try to, to figure out where teams are going to be. The team you're playing tomorrow, Purdue's another one that, that I think people had higher hopes for. Nebraska, I think, was projected to finish higher, but but injuries have a role in all of that. You haven't been in this position in several years, though, where you're out of bowl consideration. So how do you reset your goals now for this uh, final stretch? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, number one, you, you, you take a look at what you can control, and, and that's, uh, like I said, already getting ready and, and getting prepared. The guys have done a nice job of that this week. And then, we, you know, we talked about sending our seniors out the right way and playing for, for our families, which are the Northwestern family and for our, our family back home. And, you know, as long as I'm the head coach here at Northwestern, we're going to have, uh, you know, those, those great last names of all of our guys in the back of our jerseys for a reason. That's everyone that's helped us get here. Uh, I don't want our guys to ever forget that, and, and I want them to take pride in everybody that's helped them get here. And I know they all take pride in watching our guys compete and, and, and play, and uh, it's time to give them some happiness. It's time to have give them some fun. We've given them a ton over the – especially our seniors' careers, and I uh, just, just want to send the guys out the right way. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Following up on that, how do you keep it positive? How do you make sure that they're feeling good, especially – as well, because you're making sure that they're getting a great education on top of getting to play uh, college football. Yeah, well, you know, from a positive standpoint, again, that's a choice. You know, some people look at, uh, you know, what is it, the old school glasses half full or half empty. I've always been, a, 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 it's all the way full. And I just drink some of the water, so we'll fill it back up kind of guy. <laughs> I'm a half full guy. And, you know, always approach it that way. And there's been a lot of, uh, you know, challenges this year, but also a lot of growth from a lot of our younger players, and that's what gives me a lot of excitement for the future. Uh, you know, I think our line has been really consistent all year. This is uh, something that we worked diligently on in the off season, and, and I think uh, Jared Thomas has done just a terrific job leading that group. And there's other there's other things, but you know, as we go now into November, we've got uh, you know some guys banged up, and it's an opportunity for us and even more young of, of our younger guys to to step up. Learn, grow, get better, and and uh, it will it will help us without a doubt for the future. Yeah, he lost two more defensive starters last week, and it just it seems to be that that kind of year where you've lost some key guys, but but nothing new. And then you have some guys come in. Um, you have a, a freshman defensive lineman who we've seen a few times this year, but he comes in uh, out of Bore. 
out of, out of Tamawa, out of Bore. There's a, a play-by-play announcer's dream. Uh, but he comes in, gets a sack for you. So that's kind of yeah, cool. Tom, yeah, we call him Tommy, so yeah. well, I'll make it easier there for you, Dave. But, Thank uh, you. I appreciate yeah, Tommy, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Tommy's got a, a bright future. And as I said on Monday, the, the future is now. He and, you know, Jason Gold are two true freshman defensive linemen, um, you know, have, have played a little bit, and now they're going to have to play a lot. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – it's not necessarily what we expected, but uh, it's the opportunity for them, and it's going to make them better in the long run. I mean, I remember back when I played as a true freshman, you know, I was not I was not ready to play, but, you know, the, the way and the issues that happened for the team, I needed to play. And I think in the long run, it made me, made me more prepared. It, it helped me understand just how hard I had to work in the offseason and be ready. Yeah, I remember calling that game. There's, who's that 51 kid? Yeah. yeah, should well, he be playing guard? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Purdue tomorrow, and you and uh, Jeff Brom, the coach at Purdue, you, you guys can probably compare notes on injuries at this point, right? Yeah, you know, and I, I don't think either of us are going to make excuses. You know, it's it's a, it's a nature of our beast and our game, and and uh, you know we've got to get the next group of guys ready and prepared, and and uh, you know those guys have got to step up and play, and you know it started for us right away in the opener, and, and it, it was kind of the same way for for. Uh, for Purdue, and then they had a you know really tough play when they lost uh, you know Cindelar and uh, Rondell Moore on the same play against Minnesota. So, you know, two teams that are hungry for a win, they still have the opportunity potentially to get into the postseason. So we know we're going to be playing a very hungry team, and you never know. We get to five wins, you never know. A couple of years ago, there weren't enough bowl eligible teams, and uh, a couple of five win teams because of their academic progress rate, their academics were able to get into bowl season. So we're playing for a lot, and uh, it's exciting to be back at home and. And looking forward to our guys hopefully playing the best game of the year. Okay, yeah, I forgot that. So, so I spoke too soon about the bowl stuff. Uh, Coach, tomorrow, 11 o'clock kickoff out of Ryan Field. We'll see you there. Good luck tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk to you again next Friday. Okay, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Go Cats. Bye-bye. There he goes. Coach Fitz, he's so remarkable. He's a really nice guy. Like I just, I'm impressed. You sound by surprised. Him. No, no, I'm just so impressed. I saw, I've seen him do interviews. Yeah. I read that wonderful article that was about his wife and the kids in the Chicago Tribune a couple of weeks ago. I just like, and just, even even when he looks upset, he's not. Like last week yes. when they were playing Indiana, it looked like he was upset with the referees, but really he was asking them about being on the Christmas list. <laughs> yeah, he was. He yeah. said he he did ask if if uh, he, they wanted to be on his Christmas card list. Oh yeah, is that what was going on? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Why they would give him 15 yards for that. Exactly. Seems seems like a very polite request. You know what? I'm so glad that I have you two to explain what's going on to me, you know? Although I feel like you might be fudging and lying a That's little bit about That's what he said. We're, we're not making that up, <laughs> we, right, Joe? Yeah, there's nothing that we can make up in that situation. <laughs> Last night, IES Abroad hosted their sixth annual student film festival at the Museum of Contemporary Art. Um, And IES Abroad is a non-for-profit organization providing college students access to more than 400 study abroad programs in 85 global locations. We actually have the winners with us in studio. And also uh, we have Richard Roper. Hi, Richard. You were the uh, MC last night. Hi, G. How are you doing? Oh, Good morning. Fantastic. So great to talk to you. You are the preeminent uh, expert on movies and everything film. Well, thank you. And I've got to tell you, this uh, this uh, student uh, study abroad that IES does is so cool. And the students from all over the place uh, submit their own films. And, G, you know this very well because you've worked in every facet of the media. 
it's amazing, though, what the next generation can do with the technology and their storytelling abilities. As you mentioned, I mean, I see, you know, 10 movies a week, you know, all the big budget films, all the Hollywood films, all the streaming efforts. And I'll tell you, these films, they look professional. This is not like a little home movie contest. Really impressive stuff. So how did you get involved with this incredible organization? Well, they found me mm-hmm. because they're so smart. They knew if they really wanted to get someone involved who knows about movies, why not come to me? So, yeah, they, they actually just they reached out to me last year. And I actually had a chance to go over and, and, and visit the whole organization here in their Chicago offices. And as you mentioned, this is a nonprofit, and it's all about giving students an opportunity to study abroad, which, of course, has been something that has been around for a long time, but they just do it in such a great way. And I talked to some of these students, even, you know, years afterward, you know how people love to talk about that one mm-hmm. semester they, they spent studying abroad. It's not, obviously you're going to study the culture, you're going to take classes, but it's about the experience that I think a lot of it is as much self-discovery as learning about whatever culture they're visiting. Now, uh, Rich, do you end up giving some critiques? Do you give advice? What do you do after you see the films? Yeah, what we did actually at the event last night, she was, uh, the, you know, the top finalists were all there, the, the four filmmakers that made the final, the final uh, cut for the film. So we showed the films to a fantastic audience at the uh, Museum of Contemporary Art. And then we did a Q&A on stage, just like I've done with, you know, anybody you can think of from Scorsese to Spielberg to Tarantino. We, you know, we sat on stage and I got to talk to them about their films, get to know a little bit about what they were thinking in the filmmaking process and, and, and why they made the movies they did. So it was really, really kind of a, a neat experience. Well, Rich, we've got uh, the grand prize winners, Chase Devins and David Smith here with us. Uh, congratulations, you two. Uh, tell us what your film was about. So our film... Oh. Sorry, guys. Go ahead. Uh, our film was called Les Cinq Mois, or The Five Months, uh, and it was about Chase's good experiences and also his not-so-great experiences while he was studying abroad and how he then grew from those experiences. Wow. And so can you tell us a little bit more? Like, is there a antagonist in the film? Does something dramatic happen? Yeah, so I like to think the antagonist is kind of <laughs> the world. Um, we had <laughs> almost like a significant event happen every single calendar month while we were there, which we decided to tie into the video with calling it the five months. Um, things such as me getting my passport swapped with a friend, uh, getting my phone taken, a camera stolen, um, Notre Dame burned down while we were there. Wow. And, to top it off, I broke my foot the no last way. week of my study abroad experience. How there. did you do that? Um, I had a little run-in with one of those electric scooters oh, um, no. and a little faulty manufacturing and broke my foot on that. <laughs> so, Richard, for you, what set their film apart in your eyes? Well, I got to give the guys a lot of credit because so many of these films are all beautifully done. But you know, and what you'd expect, gee, would be to see a lot of films that are very serious and sentimental. And these guys. They did that, but they also, most of it is very humorous. As, as they mentioned, it's, you know, the misadventures of Chase. It's almost like watching planes, trains, and automobiles in Paris. But they put a nice touch on it where, again, you see that, yeah, all these terrible things happen, but it's gonna, you know, it, it makes, first of all, it makes for a great movie. But they even did a really kind of funny takeoff halfway through almost on like those mayhem type commercials where they had like kind of a public service announcement about not leaving your bag while someone asked you to take it in. So I, I like the way that these guys, 
had the confidence as filmmakers to say, let's make fun of ourselves. We'll grow through that. So it was, it was really not only the best film, but by far, I thought, the, you know, the most clever and the funniest. Now, is this a way for you guys to remember your time there? Like, it's, it's you know, immortalized on film now. Yeah, it was so great to go back and look through all the footage that Chase had shot throughout the time that we spent in Europe and then sort of go back and relive our experiences through putting the video together. Now, Rich, for you, I know that when you're watching a film, you can see a lot of promise um, in actors and actresses. Um, you can see the new young ingenue or somebody that's breaking out or that you say, hey, you've got to watch out for this person. Do you sure. experience the same thing with filmmakers as well? Do you see something... Uh, super promising in these two young uh, gentlemen that we have in studio with us? Oh, absolutely, Gene. You know, you'll see sometimes, uh, for example, with Pixar, when you see those little short films they, they do before the big blockbusters, those short films are often made by somebody who then goes on to do a feature film for Pixar or Academy Award-nominated shorts. Same thing with these short films. You know, you can see the gift it doesn't even take the full five or six minutes that these films run. You can usually tell within a minute or two because it's not just about the story they're telling, but it's they know how to frame, literally frame a shot. They know how to pace. There's a lot of editing, a ton of editing, especially in short films. That, that's super key. Now, I will say this. In terms of on-screen presence, Chase might want to have Adam Driver play him next time. Maybe <laughs> time to step up on the acting part. I think that's a compliment. <laughs> Um, now, you guys, I always tell all the uh, interns that I meet, and I've been lucky enough to work with many interns, that they should always do study abroad. I think it's one of the most important things. It's You have the time to do it. Uh, you don't have the responsibilities. This is when you have to go and seize the opportunity to go and travel. Would you agree with that? And what was the most important lesson that you learned on your travels? I would agree with that 100%. Um, study abroad for me, I had this really big misconception about what it was. And so that was something that we really wanted to communicate um, with this film. Uh, it just seems like there is this idea that everything is going to be so grand and you're going to be living, you know, like um, some sort of like luxurious experience for five or six months of your life. But um, in reality, it is one of the best opportunities for you to get out in the world and experience things um, as a young adult with um, like not a lot going back on at home. So um, I would do it again and I definitely miss my time in Paris. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's a great opportunity to reflect on the different aspects of yourself because you're putting yourself somewhere that you don't really have a support network. So. And, and then when you're back home, you see home in a different way too, right? Through a new lens. Oh, certainly. Coming back to the States after my IES abroad experience was very eye-opening. I saw basically everything in a different light. So you're telling all the parents listening right now, parents, grandparents, if you have a young student in your life that wants to travel abroad, don't be afraid. Let them spread their wings and let them do it, right? Yes. I would just put let them put themselves out there, um, make mistakes, but it is in uh, such a like safe environment for them to really learn from those mistakes um and that's what david and i did and it was such a rewarding experience so um david what was it like for you to have uh, a renowned film critic like richard roper looking at your film and critiquing it oh it was so cool to be just up on stage with him when we were doing the q a it was so incredible to get like that level of analysis from it and chase what about for you um for me it was just eye-opening to you know see 
one of my videos on the big screen. Um, I had never seen that before. Um, it's definitely a memory I'll have with me forever. So, uh, Rich, did you ever do travel abroad for you for when you were uh, in school? You know, gee, when I was in school, uh, I, I went to the famed Twin Cities of Bloomington Normal. Uh-huh, uh, in, yes. uh, <laughs> Central Illinois. But, you know, to, back to what the guys were saying, and this is something that's key, too, and you can, you know, people can check out IES, you know, study abroad. There's ways of getting there. You know, this is not just an elitist thing at all. You know, this is a this is a Democratic with a small D opportunity for people. There are ways to get there. And what the guy said, too, is so true, you know, do it now, I would say to young people. I, I said that's all my you know nephews and nieces when they were going through college or when they're about to, because as you know, gee, if we're lucky enough to find work once we're out of school or have other responsibilities, mm-hmm. you're never going to get you're never going to get that five months you know no. where you're going to be able to do this. You know, when you're young is the time to do it. And as the guy said, it's something you'll you'll treasure the rest of your life. So, uh, Rich, I hope you don't hate me asking you about movies uh, because I'm sure you get this everywhere and hopefully you're not tired of it. And uh, I know you're always on with Ro Khan talking about movies, but uh, we've got about 30 seconds left. Can you t- recommend a movie that we have to go see this weekend? You know, I, I, I think I might be in the minority on this one because the critics have been kind of mixed. But every once in a while, gee, I actually get really sentimental and corny. And there's a movie called Last Christmas coming out this what? weekend. No, you with, really? Uh, yeah, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones and Henry Golding, who was in Crazy Rich Asians. And it's completely corny and completely sappy. And you know what? It's fantastic. I really loved it. We need a corny movie like this once every couple of years. And Last Christmas is that movie. Rich, you should see the smile on G's face here. You just made her day. <laughs> oh, me too. I'm so excited about this movie. I saw the previews. Oh, I The great it. Richard Roper has given me permission to go see The Last Christmas. So thank you so much. Thank you, Rich, for being with us. And thank you for your incredible work with IES Abroad. Please, if you're a parent, grandparent, uh, listening, check this incredible organization out. It's definitely worth uh i think it's worth the effort to go abroad it can, sure. it's life changing it's going to open up your world right guys yes okay and thank you chase devins and david smith the grand prize winners and is there anywhere we can see the movie yes you can see it um on ies abroad's website ies abroad okay yeah. check it out thank you so much it's time for Dan Hampton. The Hall of Famer, sponsored by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Morning, Hamp. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, hey hold on. I got to turn the TV off. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Okay, you're borrowing a page from uh, Mitchell Trevay. At least you, you, you have control over the TVs in your home, correct? Well, you know, and and I, I got to tell you, I've I've had texts and 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 calls from people all over the country going, "What the heck is going on in Chicago?" That's uh, it, you know, it's 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 just not a it's not a good look. You know, this is uh the the franchise of uh, Butkus, Obradovich, uh, Bronco Nagurski, and we got a. A quarterback that's wearing hand warmers on a sixty degree day, going, "Oh, I got to turn the TVs off." So they've got to they got to find a way out of this mess, and the best way, find a way to win. And tomorrow is uh, actually Sunday. Sunday is a uh, is one of those days where we used to say, "Hey, it's all hands on deck." It, it, it doesn't matter how you feel, what you think. 
you got to play the game to win. Yeah, you know, I've talked to people who were in the the news conference the other day with Trubisky, and they they think that perhaps the comment uh, was maybe taken the wrong way. That he was trying to make a, and I'm not defending him. I wasn't there. I don't know, but but it was more he was trying to get the bigger point across that that they're they're tuning out the criticism and they're they're concentrating on just trying to do the job that's not an uncommon thing for athletes to say maybe his choice of words was a little bit uncommon but i'm sure there were times when you were on teams when when guys would would even though now there's social media and, and it gets a little louder the guys would like try to ignore the critics right i mean if you had people harping on you Never once did you hear anyone ever say, I want to go listen to a Wham song, or we're going to go put on a Boys to Men video. <laughs> There's certain things you just don't say. Yeah. And, well, and, and you don't go, oh, too many people talking negatively, and we got to turn it off and put our earmuffs on and all that. Hey, you know what? Uh, since the beginning of time, and, you know, these kids, they need to understand something. They're not changing the world, and they're not uh, discovering the cure for cancer. And hey, this is a game, and you get a, a, a blessed opportunity to play it for just a short period of time in your life. But what you do is important because hey, you know you get a lot of people that pay. You know, I, every game they lose, and when that after that San Diego. I am L.A. Charger. Okay, L.A. Charger. Anyway, after that loss, I was, I was shaking my head, saying, I, "All these people, they buy tickets, they hot dogs, they parking, blah blah blah, and then they go and see how, you know, a team that that supposedly was projected to be very good and and a team we can be proud of." Uh, just fall apart in little pieces and do stupid thing after stupid thing, you start wondering, what are they thinking about? And see, that goes back to Trubisky's choice of, you know, trying to be funny. That's not something you can be funny about, especially when you're stumbling around playing the way he is. So, again, uh, they need a, a, a you know, a, a, a brand new approach. And um, at some point, you know, it, think about this. Two weeks ago, the head coach was telling the media, oh, I want Trubisky to go and watch the TV feed so he can see what we all see of how he looks scared and, and, and you know, gun-shy and, and kind of without confidence. And, and then now he's saying he, he, you can't – it's almost like the tail's wagging the dog. Instead of the team taking the reins and saying, hey, we're going to go out there and kick somebody's butt and beat somebody and then let the chips fall where they may – that's you know that that would be highly preferable to the people of Chicago. Hey, maybe maybe the uh, the uh, the snowflake uh, you know uh, attitude would prevail in Seattle, but not here. Well, all right. Let's say that the Bears go out and beat a Lions defense that's not exactly overwhelming. That Trubisky had a huge day against a year ago this week at Soldier Field when he threw for. 355 yards, I think, and three touchdowns. Uh, Bears rolled up 400 yards of offense. And he ran for one, too. Yeah. yeah. So so you would think, Camp, this would be a get-well game for the Bears. But Matthew Stafford has been pretty good so far, and he's a veteran quarterback who knows how to win these kinds of games. 
So even if Trubisky has a big game, are you concerned at all about the Bears' defense going up against Stafford and and a, a Lions offense, which maybe doesn't have a ton of weapons, but they've been good enough with a veteran quarterback back there? Absolutely. When you're three and five and you're struggling and you lose to the Raiders, you lose to the LA Chargers, you almost lose to the Denver Broncos, who basically they're starting a kid off the street at quarterback at this present time. Nothing is a given. Nothing is is taken for granted. And and sooner or later, you know, you expect your leaders. And remember, a month ago when we're we're hearing about the oh players only meetings and and we're going to decide who the leaders well the leaders are supposed to become self evident back in training camp oh but that's right Matt Nagy doesn't need training camp we don't need the preseason we don't need all that old fashioned stuff well evidently you do and all that would has to come to bear <clears throat> no pun intended on Sunday this is where Khalil Mack has to be. Great. This is where Eddie Jackson has to be great. This is where Danny Trevathan has to be great. This is where Cody Whitehair has to be great. These are the guys that you look at and say, if you want to be a captain, you want to be a leader, get up there and lead. Make something happen. Hopefully they will. And back to Trubisky, and yeah, his best day as a pro, in my estimation, was against the Detroit defense. But you know and I know, They've had that that film on the on all week, and they will be ready for this offense. And you know, it's, it's funny how an offense becomes more emboldened the more confidence it gets. And how do you get confidence by doing things the right way, the correct way, and scoring points? Something we haven't done all year. No, so no. again, it's on, from top to bottom, this is a game. This is a deodorant game. We can get well. We can smell good coming out of it. But at some point, it, you still have to roll up the sleeves, go out there and do it. Oh, and and try not to, you know, put your hands in your in your pocket, your hand warmers so much. Next All right, time. Okay. let me bring Super Joe. He had a, he had a quick point about the offense. Hamper Joe. The tight ends combined for zero catches last week in Philadelphia. Um, if if they get more involved in the game, could that be part of the deodorant you're talking about? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Adam Shaheen is playing himself off this roster. I mean, he, he was he hasn't been good, but last week was chronically bad. But you know what? This is the same what would you strain of offense from the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid that is run in Philadelphia and now here with Nagy, and we saw the difference tight ends make. Go back and think about the two tight ends. I think they were targeted 16 times and caught 12 passes for well over 100 yards. They were the the vibe of the offense that we lost to. So, yeah, that's what we need. That's what we we should try to emulate. Will we? Can we? I don't know. We've got seven tight ends on our roster, and not one of them can play. So sooner or later, we've got to identify who, who can play. And the guys that can't, you got to make changes. All right, predictions, Super Joe. I'm going to go with the Bears winning uh, twenty to seventeen. Twenty to seventeen, Viv. Ah, uh, thirteen to twenty. Who? Uh, Bears. Win. Wait a minute. Who has thirteen? Who has twenty? Um, Bears lose. Bears. Bears lose thirteen. Gee. I'll say twenty-two to seven. 
Okay. The Bears win. Hey, that works. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Bears 20, Detroit 17. Third win, third week in a row I've taken the Bears winning 20 to 17. It's got to happen eventually. Hap? Yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, hey, let's say 15-12. Bears find a way to win finally after four straight losses. And this, you know, it's been a, a bad rocktober. We need to wake up and, and start playing the game the way we did last year. So here we go. Hallelujah. Talk to you Monday. And Sunday afternoon, Hamp and OB with Kaz, 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon once the Bears and Lions are done. Hamp sponsored by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Hamp, a man with always has deodorant on. Right, Dave? All right. Now it's time to check in with your traffic Don't with Mary Vanderbilt. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I've been giving you some helpful uh, hints and uh, items that could be good for holiday shopping for stocking stuffers. Uh, I'm going to keep giving you a couple. Uh, what about HaHa Brands Snittens? Snittens. S-N-I-T-T-E-N-S. Get it? <laughs> it's a combination of snot and mittens. What? And they're mittens that you can just, you know, use as a tissue. Ew. I love it. I think really? Only <laughs> I'm going to buy that. I have a whole new image of you now, Viv. $19.99. There's also well, what is there, a Kleenex built into it? I don't no, care. it's just a very fuzzy, it's a snitten. It's like what Mary? you do when you're a kid. You wipe your nose with your mittens. <laughs> yeah, why don't but you, you just do that? <laughs> yeah, but that's not <laughs> right. something Dave you would... Dave is looking at me so weird right now. Why would you uh, buy that? <laughs> yeah. A, <laughs> it ends up happening where you don't have a tissue. You especially happens to me on the train. I'm on the train. I need a tissue so desperately okay. my nose is running and then i'm like what do i okay here's my question you're gonna spend 19 bucks on that <laughs> go out and spend two bucks at walgreens for a box of kleenex i know yeah, but you might not be boxes. near it and this you way can... your mittens can also serve as tissue and also you can reuse them you just wash them and just reuse them <laughs> hello well, you um, do that with regular mittens that's true yeah. but these are fluffier mary there's more absorption with these <laughs> oh. snittens okay so there's a banana phone as well with wireless bluetooth now we're talking handset. dave you're favorite fruit is a banana you I eat love one bananas. every day yeah, and this one, one is shaped like a banana it looks like a real banana there so i think i can get this for you for the holidays 39.99 yeah, absolutely but you might get confused and try to peel that and eat mm. that instead of your real banana it's kind of peeling i know <laughs> and then in case you don't have um you know that six pack the abs already you can order a men's 3d muscle tea for three dollars and 74 hello it's an automatic uh, six pack. It's you know these are fun gifts. If you, <laughs> you don't want to spend a lot of money, don't you know? A lot of people stress about this. These are fun stocking stuffers. Here's also one that's local. Remember Chance the Snapper? I was obsessed with Chance the Snapper, like a lot of people were. And Alligator Rob, our hero of the summer, that was able to capture Chance safely and transport him to Florida. Uh, BlockClubChicago.org, a wonderful local uh, news uh, site says that there is now a Chance the Snapper and Gator Rob coloring book. So this is something you can buy for, I think, adults and kids alike. I would buy that. This will be fun. It's only $16, and it's a color coloring book for people of all ages, like I said. So this will be great. And a portion of the proceeds from the book will be split between a charity for a crocodilian <laughs> conservation <laughs> and a charity for first responders. So in case you're looking for that perfect gift for your coworker, Chance the Snapper and Alligator Rob and their uh, coloring book. 
So, Viv, I heard you were at a really fun event in Greektown last night. I was. It was uh, at the National Hellenic Museum. Uh, and there are a bunch of un- vendors um, uh, that uh, have restaurants here in Chicago. And uh, they came out to do a little tasting. It's called Cuisina. Cuisina. Is there a breaking of the plates? Is there all... There Is there was, flaming Saganaki? There were just too many people for breaking plates. No, okay. there was no there was no breaking plates involved, but there was a ton of people. So a lot of familiar faces. Jane Monzuris was there. Nice. Uh, Luke Canales was there. Uh, Cook County Circuit Judge uh, uh, Kiriakopoulos was there. Wow. So there were just a lot of great people um, catching up with a lot of them. It was great. Okay, so how do you say it was a great time in Greek? Uh, okay, just what she said. Okay, right. Joe, we got an awesome <laughs> delivery. Uh, it's a gluten-free bakery called Sweet Alley's, and uh, they dropped some stuff off, right, Joe? Yeah, they came by yesterday, uh, dropped off some uh, blueberry lemon bread, some cookies, uh, some toffee bars, um, some really great stuff. My sister is actually, uh, she has celiac disease, so she can't have wheat, and this is our go-to spot for sweets. Sweet you know- Alley's, uh, sweetalis.com. They got a few spots, uh, one in Hinsdale, one in Glenview. Uh, check out their website, sweetalleys.com. Very cool. Well, you know, there's a lot of people with celiac disease and a lot of people that don't have celiacs that just want to eat gluten-free. They feel like it makes them feel better, a little bit lighter, a little bit more mm-hmm. active. Um, yeah, so Sweet Alleys, thank you so much for all the goodies. I haven't been able to dig into them just yet, but I will after the show. Uh, 13 West 1st Street in Hinsdale, Illinois, and 1107 Waukegan Road in Glenview, Illinois. So um, they look delicious, right, Viv? Yes, I want to eat some right now. So we have a lot coming up um, in the... Eight o'clock hour. Of course, we've got uh, Dean with more on entertainment. We've also got breakfast uh, with a Blackhawk, Adam Burrish. And then in studio, we have comedian Christopher Titus. I read the story, and of course, I thought about Mary Vandeveld um, because she is expecting a uh, <laughs> grandchild soon. And yeah. it is the. God, you scared me. Yeah, yeah, yeah me is, too. Yeah, it is the top. <laughs> Uh, baby names for 2020. So I'll be revealing some of those Ooh, in the uh, in the next uh, couple of hours. So keep it with us right here on uh, WGN 720. Ladies and gentlemen, Dean Richards joins us from Channel 9. Citizens of the world. Some of the world's greatest entertainers are here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you? And tonight, guess what? It's going to be Dean. To the great Dean Richards. Hi, Dean. Good morning to you. Mr. Cochran is out sick today. Likely story on a Friday. (laughs) Oh, it's Friday. (laughs) Sick. Where are you today, by the way? I'm at the the WGN TV. Very nice. So you are home. 2501 West uh, Bradley Place. Very nice. As if you needed to be any more famous, I am hearing that you were featured on Jimmy Kimmel last well, night. I, I wasn't featured. The the, uh, the clip that we played for you the other day, uh, my interview yes. with Matt Damon and Christian Bale, where uh, Matt Damon was making fun of Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, last night, Jimmy Kimmel played uh, the clip. I'm, I'm featured on it, but uh, I mean, I'm in the clip, but I'm certainly not uh, the feature of it all. But uh, it's just funny. This this Matt Damon and uh, Jimmy Kimmel feud is just <laughs> one of the funniest things uh, that there is. This uh, I, w- I woke up this morning to all kinds of tweets and email messages. Hey, man, you were on Kimmel last night. Uh, and this is what happened. I'll tell you who's not on the show tonight. Uh, Matt Damon. 
And you know why he's not? Because he's rude. That, that loser, he was doing an interview, he's got this new movie, Ford versus Ferrari, and for no reason at all, he uses this movie as a platform to attack me. The rivalry between uh, Ford and Ferrari was uh, greater or less than the rivalry between uh, Damon and Kimmel. Well, the Damon Kimmel rivalry is pretty storied. He doesn't even know what I'm talking about. Damon <laughs> Kimmel's a talk show host. Is he? Well, he's a. No, wait, I, thought, I thought he was a parking lot owner. All I knew was last night they said, oh, we have to meet in the Kimmel parking lot. So uh, I thought some bloke called Kimmel owned a parking lot. Yeah. Well, he does. He owns that parking lot, too. And no, because done, of that, he's, we, he's were, good for himself, we were late to the premiere because he let his show out so that we were blocked in. Yeah, well, he knew I was having a premiere and he wasn't invited, and so he threw a little bit of and clogged us in the parking lot. Now, that's right, he so, is the. That's Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, and that's the devil himself, is who that is. So, so that's funny. I, and I've decided uh, I think I'm going to get a laugh track uh, <laughs> from everything that we do now. I, I like that when the, the audience there was laughing uh, during the interview. So, you know, it's nice. I love Jimmy Kimmel, I, I think he does a great show. I love Matt Damon. Uh, this feud, I cannot get enough of this feud in between them. And if you get a chance today, watch the clip. Uh, we, we've got it on uh, WGNTV.com. And, uh, because what's funny is that uh, Jimmy Kimmel took the original clip that I had. They, sh- they showed it from our morning show. But while Matt Damon was talking, he drew, uh, like, fake boobs on him. Oh, my goodness. And he drew, uh, like, a, a devil, uh, uh, you know, devil uh, horns, devil uh-huh. horns. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's why I said at the end that he's the devil himself. So, but Because it, it's funny to watch what they uh, did with it as well. Well, that's what's so great about the fact that you had this rapport to get them to play with you like this, which is very difficult and, you know, in a junket setting. I mean, pretty incredible. So... Great well, job. A lot, of, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, so before we get to the reviews, I just wanted to go over the, uh, you're going to be doing something special with uh, Tree Time, right? Yes, we are. We're doing our, our Sunday show there this week. Uh, the full show from 9 to 1. Uh, tree Time, Christmas Tree Creations, 22102 Pepper Road in Lake Barrington. Uh, to be exact, we always have uh, tons of fun with that. We've got the whole mor- uh, Sunday morning crew who will be out there. We've got uh, prizes. We've got music. We've got – it's going to be a lot of fun. We, we always put on uh, a fun show for everybody who shows up. And uh, the past several years, it's been standing room only. So uh, get there early. That's fantastic. I, w- so. I would recommend, really, people should get up the night before and camp <laughs> Just out. Just wait in line. <laughs> yeah, camp out in front of tree time. Uh, we would like nothing better than when we show up uh, you know, early to get set up. That there, uh, you know, people who've been in line for like two days. Go today. Don't even wait till uh, Sunday. <laughs> I think right. that's a good idea. As go, Dean go today, said, camp out in front of uh, Tree Time so you can be first in line to get absolutely. in. Absolutely. This Sunday, November tenth, from nine a.m. to one p.m., we actually have a giveaway right now—a certificate for a desktop pre-lit sports-themed artificial tree oh, from nice. Tree Time Christmas Creations yeah, in Lake nice. Barrington. Those are and nice. by the way, all attendees are going to get a special fifteen percent off Dean's discount off everything that day so another discount. reason to go dean's discount as though anyone needed what's your favorite number dean 
What uh, uh, number caller should we give this away? My favorite number is, uh, oh, I'm a big number seven fan. People know that about me. Okay, yeah. caller number seven, yeah. you're going to win. I've never heard us ask for the seventh caller before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, we do it every day. I'm just day. trying to make it easy on Super Joe. I know, every I want to say 432, but I'm going number seven. <laughs> Let's go so for it. So thoughtful of you. Okay, so we've got a couple of reviews. I'm hoping to get through them uh, pretty quickly, Dean. Uh, you got uh, Stephen King's Dr. Sleep? Yeah, uh, this is, I'm calling this the weekend of media. Mediocrity. There are, are really <laughs> of the new movies opening this week. Nothing is uh, especially uh, great. This uh, 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 sequel to uh, The Shining uh, is pretty much that in name only. This new movie that stars you and McGregor is—it's an okay, scary movie. It doesn't come close to being The Shining. There's really not even that much in the movie that relates back to the original movie. So, uh, you know, if you like okay, scary movies, I'm giving that a Dean's List C. Uh, there's, uh, for the Veterans Day weekend, this movie called Midway. That is a recreation of the famous World War II battle between the American fleet and the Japanese Navy. Uh, beautiful cinematography. Uh, historically, it's uh, you know very interesting and significant story uh, to tell, recognizing those who were uh, part of it all. Uh, but the storytelling itself is just kind of pedestrian. They're, they really don't break any new ground here. So I gave that a Dean's List C. Uh, there is this movie, Last Christmas, first mm-hmm. holiday season uh, movie of the year with uh, Amelia Clark and uh, Henry Gold from Game of Thrones and Crazy Rich Asians, uh, respectively. It's uh, not especially funny. It's not especially romantic. It's okay. I'm mean, just the, the movies this weekend are just okay. Oh, I, gave, I gave that a dean's list. See, the really the worst movie of the weekend is this one called Playing with Fire. <laughs> That's uh, about three uh, firefighters. Uh, you know, they're they're like the guys when there's a wildfire, the firefighters come mm-hmm. in and rescue people who get trapped by the wildfire. These uh, firefighters who find three kids, and suddenly they go from being elite firefighters to bumbling babysitters. And the movie is just kind of lowest common denominator, not especially funny. Uh, you know, kids might like it. I know kids are saying, ooh, I want to see this playing with fire. Uh, if if you take your kids, I recommend really, uh, you know, have have a lot of drinks <laughs> before uh, you take your kids, kids to go see the movie. I give that a Dean's List D. I, wow, a not, rough weekend for the movies. It's a rough movie for the From the Dean's List. The yeah, I'm afraid so. Okay, just one quick plug on something to do this weekend since we're out of time. There is uh, Oliver that is opening at the Marriott uh, Lincolnshire. Uh, one of my favorite musicals. In fact, I think it's the first musical that I ever saw really on stage. Uh, they're performing out in Lincolnshire. They always do good productions there. They are actually going to be at our Tree Time show on Sunday. Nice. And they're going to do some uh, live performances there. So if you want a little preview, check out Sunday morning. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Dean Richards. Don't go to the movies. Just go see Oliver and go to Tree Time on Sunday to see Dean in person. Have a great weekend. Thank you. <laughs> How about breakfast with a Blackhawk on this Friday morning? Dave Bennett, G. Suk Yee, Steve Cochran taking the morning off, a little under the weather. We'll be back on Monday. And always a pleasure to talk some Blackhawks hockey with former Blackhawk and currently doing great work on NBC Sports Chicago alongside Pat Boyle and Jamal Mayers and Patrick Sharp and uh, Steve Conroy. Who am I leaving out? I think that's everybody. Adam Burrish, how are you? Good morning. 
I'm doing great. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> doing great. All right. So last night, a little more like it, wasn't it? Now we're talking, finally. There was a lot of great stuff. Uh, you got goals. Um, I think one of the biggest things that uh, wasn't talked about a lot is getting Corey Crawford a win, too, or getting their goaltenders a win. Their goaltenders have been so darn good. Um, seeing 35 to sometimes 50 shots a night and having an unbelievable save percentages they've had. And as a player, sometimes you want to reward your goalies and, and, and give them something back for, for kind of bailing you out a lot of nights. And last night was one of the, one of those nights where they give them some goal support. They defended well. And you beat a team that you needed to beat. That's a Vancouver team that you should beat. And I can guarantee you all those guys that this is one we have to win. We can't lose to this team. We were going to turn this thing around. This is one we got to win. They showed up, they answered it, and they played a pretty darn fun, exciting game. You know, I'm glad you brought up Crawford, Adam, because, I mean, here's a guy who's had such an outstanding career. And what he did last night, he's done hundreds of times over the course of his career, and yet he's been a little bit overshadowed to this point by uh, not only the way the Blackhawks have had some struggles in the early part of the season, but also because the player Robin Letter's been so good. Well, it's been a good goalie. You can call it a battle. You can call it a tandem is what I think I would call it. Um, it's been really good for the Blackhawks and some of the nights when they haven't had their best stuff. Uh, it's been pretty exciting to watch those, those two guys kind of go back and forth in that and Robin Leonard was a guy they signed um, with the uncertainty of Corey's health. Corey's been healthy. He's been great when he's played. Um, but a lot of times with coaches and goalies, who's ever hot, if you play good one night, you're going to play again the next night. And if you play good that night, you're going to play. You're just going to keep going. And that's what Jeremy's done with his goalies. And he's had a good problem on his hands. And it's an easy, easy position for the coach. If you play well, you're going to play again. And that pushes each guy a little bit also. Um, they're both... They're not selfish guys, and I've said this before. I've played with goalies in the past that are really selfish. It's all about them. They'll say even sometimes, well, it's not my job to worry about that other guy. I don't need to worry about the backup. I'm worried about myself. These two guys aren't like that. Um, They help each other. They talk with each other. They push each other. Um, So it's been a real good situation for the Blackhawks. They're both guys have been awesome, but I can tell you as a, a forward or defenseman, you want to help those guys back there and get them wins when you can, and that was one uh, that I'm sure those guys kind of rallied a bit for Corey. And I'm sure all of us have watched this team at times and and just thought, come on, especially in the power play, somebody shoot the puck. And and one of the things that Jeremy, when he was on with this yesterday, and he was saying again, we need to throw more pucks at the net, and last night they did that, and you see what happens when they do. It tends to have good results, right? Yeah, well, last year when, when they were struggling a bit and that they turned their season around, it was because of the power play. They were clicking at almost right around 30%, which was, you know, for a while they're tops of the NHL. And you think about the five guys they're throwing on the ice um, in that number one unit with Kane and Debrinket. You can throw Strom, Gustafson, um, and then maybe Nylander in the high. A lot of high-skill guys that want to make plays. The power play time is when guys can be creative and, and use their skill, and you got a lot of guys that like to pass the puck and let, let, that want to make a great backdoor pass and, and, and feed Kane or feed to Brinkett, but sometimes you got to be selfish, and you got to have guys that are willing to shoot the puck, and I always think back to, to Gustafson is the key cog on that power play, and if he's willing to shoot the puck, that opens up the lanes for the other guys to pass it. So having a point man that can really pound it and is willing to pound it 
um, that's what you'll see. And then now you'll kind of trigger Alex to brink it. When you get it, shoot it, man. Get it on net. Let's get some pucks there. We're going to score a lot of goals that way. That's what they did last year, and we saw it again last night. It was fun to watch. That's a fun power play. When they get going, uh, that can be one of the most dangerous units in the whole NHL. No question. Let's uh, bring in Super Joe's got a question for Adam Burrish. Adam, uh, as Dave said, we talked to the coach yesterday, and he had some great things to talk to uh, to say about Adam Boquist, the young defenseman who made his debut in L.A. last week. What have you seen from the youngster so far? Super Joe, is that self-proclaimed? Because I call myself the legend sometimes, you know it, man. too, so mm-hmm. I, I, I like that name. Um, yeah, the, these young guys have been really, really good, and Boquist, um, I think at the start of the season, they send him down thinking, well, we got to defend a little better. You know, we've got a lot of offensive guys back there, and their key, the, the talk we heard this summer was defending better and protecting our defensive zone, and Adam may need to get seasoned a little bit down in the minors and, and get his defensive game sharpened up. But, boy, I, I, don't, I don't think he's, he's, uh, he's missed a beat since he's got called up. He's got incredible offensive flair. He can handle the puck uh, about as good as anybody in the league as a defenseman. And he's going to keep getting more and more ice time, and Jerry's get, Jeremy's going to keep rewarding him. Uh, as long as he defends well and makes good decisions, he's going to keep seeing a lot, a lot of ice time because he plays the way this NHL is going now, where it's, it's, it's defensemen that are almost like a fourth forward. They can jump up in the play. And um, the other neat piece with him is he's a really fun guy in the locker room. He's a guy his teammates are really going to like. He's got a great personality. Um, he's fun. He's got a little bit of an old-school edge to him with a little bit of swagger, uh, which I think is great. Uh, and I know his teammates are, uh, do appreciate that about him, but he's been a real bright spot. And, and for fans watching, he's a guy that's going to be a, an exciting player to watch. He's going to jump up in the play, and as he gets more and more confidence, watch out for this guy because with his confidence growing, his ice time's going to grow, and he's going to make some pretty exciting plays for this team. Well, thanks so much, Adam. Just real quick, this is G. This is my non-sports question. What do you eat for breakfast since it is breakfast with the Blackhawks? Yeah, this morning I was trying to be kind of healthy, and I just had like a green protein smoothie. So I had a big, I had a big nice. steak dinner last night. So I thought I thought I'd keep it a little light this morning, and I had some. I put some kale in there, some strawberries, some protein powder. Um, yeah, so I thought I'd kind of keep it light and light and healthy this morning. Love it, light and healthy, just like you. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> you bet. Thanks. All right, what a treat we have! Uh, comedian Christopher Titus here, otherwise just known as Titus. Is it a treat? Is it really it a treat? Truly Are you is. Everybody. Thank you treat. so much for coming in and well, being with thank us. Thank you for not studio. having Steve Cochran here. I just didn't. I, I told them. I said, "Listen, used to he. I think he dated my sister or something. We have a pet history." And I said, "I'm not coming in if Cochran's in there." So I'm here. He's and under the weather. I know he's missing out. He really wanted to be here. He's listening um, right now. Going, I don't even know Titus. <laughs> you are known for a comedy that you've labeled hard funny. Uh, you have uh, hard funny is one of those things when you uh, you laugh first and then you look around and make sure it's okay to laugh. That's what I try to do. I try to do a joke. There's three jokes in this new show stories I shouldn't tell, which are three. I solved suicide in this new show, and it's there's three of the darkest jokes I've ever written about my sister. And uh, and I, I warned the audience about it. And, and one, the first night I did it, I'm in the middle of it, and some guy just yells out, I get to those jokes, and he goes, there it is! <laughs> there they are! So, yeah. You write about things that you, unfortunately, experienced in your life. It's it's you know, not it, easy stuff. Is it unfortunately? It, it, it's weird. Comedy is this one thing. Like like I'm a huge fan of Pryor and Carlin. Carlin for his writing. Pryor, by the way, would go to the tell the darkest stories you could possibly tell. Uh, there's a story he tells uh, on I think on the one of the Sunset Strip album where he's basically 
in a fight with his wife, he's blowing holes in a Rolls Royce with a 44 Magnum in front of white L.A. police officers. And now, you, when you put it like that, especially in the world we live in, that's a dark story. And it's one of the funniest things you've ever seen. So I did comedy lame for about 12 years, and then I just gave it up. I was going to quit because uh, I wasn't happy. I call it growing a tumor on my soul. I hated doing wow. the comedy I was doing, you know, where, to the point where I'd have a joke coming in my, that I was going to say, and I was like, oh, God, I don't want to say this lame joke again. And I would say it, and I was doing fine. I threw it all out, and I wrote Norman Rockwell's Bleeding. After Norman Rockwell's Bleeding, I got my TV show, and all I was doing was telling what really happened. Like this new show, like like when I was a kid, like I, my parents were divorced. And when you're from divorced parents, you know you have a good parent and a bad parent, right? Um, uh, and that's why you have a personality, by the way, because of the bad parent. Um the problem is that because you know people that get along fine have the same amount of success don't get divorced they buy a motorhome and die together in a campground in a weird propane explosion that's what happens to them <laughs> so so you don't so so you have a weird parent so I had but I had two bad parents mm-hmm. you know so I had to grade on a curve so and that's the thing <laughs> and that's the thing is, is, is and if you have two bad parents you have to come up you have to come up with a baseline who's the bad parent so but initially were you just a funny kid was this your outlet no, uh, no I, I was I a funny kid you know I learned when I was five that I could divert everything. I could divert... Uh, so it's about surviving. Getting, getting in trouble, yeah, if I was funny. Uh, and I, I was never going to be cool. I knew I was never going to fit in and be cool. So, I, But if I was funny, I would be accepted. They would let me in the room. So I learned, yeah, I learned that. I was the dude in school who, I was in a class clown. I would sit there. I'd, I'd be quiet for two weeks. And then the perfect thing would happen. I'd slam the whole crowd and bust up, and then I'd wait two more weeks. <laughs> you, you've Since you've been in here, you've mentioned... Carlin to us a couple yeah, times yeah. off the air too, yeah. And you just mentioned Pryor and yeah. and a couple other names. Uh, were those the guys who influenced you when you were a Co- kid? When I was, a co- I used to listen to Cosby records when I was five. I would go to sleep every night listening to Bill Cosby, and I made a decision. I still remember that we were my mom. My mom was mentally ill, in and out of mental institution my whole life. She actually shot and killed her third husband. So you guys are caught up now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look at the look. Are on we your allowed face. to laugh? Yes, yeah, she shot her, her third husband, I say, her last husband. I say last husband because you don't get another one after that. They, they take you out of the husband wish book at that point. It's just a hard person to, to get and get answered. Do you find that with your audience, though? Do they start to say, oh, this is funny. They start to laugh, and then they stop laughing, and they start laughing again. It's weird, yeah. People will be like, I can't, but uh, this new bit, this new this new show, there's some stuff about, um, my mom used to take me to bars with her when I, w- when I was four. You know, I, I, you know, I went with her to bars. I mean, I didn't go with her. She, she would take me. I wasn't like, Mom, it's 10.30. It's like, <laughs> where's the party? Come on, let's go. I'm four. Time for an uh, old-fashioned. And, and she went, she took me to bars with her because uh, babysitters cost three drinks right, an hour. Right, right. Oh, man. <laughs> so See, funny, now, but it's so bad. I know. See, that you, that's hard funny. The, you, the, what you just did, you laughed, and then your face got pained. You were I like, know. oh, no. The thing is that it, it, um, there's... There's two ways to do it. There's comics that can get up and talk about the pain in their life, and it's it comes across as pain. I talk about it as this is absurd. Like this is my life. I get left in an airport when I was when I was five years old over in Burbank Airport, left overnight, and my mom just she was crazy. She just didn't show up to get me. So the stewardess is there, and uh, she sits for me the hour. It's like nine ten o'clock, and the stewardess has to go date someone like my dad. So she bails, and that she turned me over to Burbank ground crew. So here's what. And you remember when you. Were kid and first time you went to an airport and you saw the luggage so come amazing. out of the, yeah. uh, these luggage and you thought I could ride that uh-huh. <laughs> I got to ride no. that these Burbank ground crew didn't know what to do so I'm a five year old kid they take me into the bowels of the airport put me in a box and I rode the conveyor belts the luggage conveyor belts all night like it was a roller coaster and Carousel 3 the Widowmaker hell yeah that was by <laughs> far uh, and at one point I was like I hope, hope, hope that creep mom doesn't show up I'm having a blast so I always found a way 
So Cosby told stories about his life. So I, my my canon is Cosby. Um, uh, I you know I'm not I have not I haven't. Are you allowed to? Still? I haven't sexually assaulted anybody. Okay, so I, I so I by the way pre before we knew who okay. he was Cosby. So my but storytelling I learned from Cosby. So but my stories were different. Like I I don't have normal stories. I don't have normal stories at all. And you've been able to separate uh, the man from the comedy with Cosby. I know, that that's the problem with comedy. You know you can do that with music because music is forever and comedy's temporary. Comedy is such a personal thing. There's musicians that can sing songs from other people. Comedy doesn't really work that well like that. You have to be honest about it. And so the guy we know as Cosby is hard for me to deal with now when I listen going Mm -hmm. through the filter of who we really know he is. I have that with a lot of comics where you find out this comic, I love this, like there's some comics that have gotten trouble recently that I thought were brilliant and I still think they're brilliant as comedians but I can no longer listen to their comedy through the filter of who they are. It changes it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Comedian Christopher Titus, can you stick around? I want to hear more about the conveyor belt. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that story. Now, since we've made comedy not funny when we come back i'll make comedy (laughs) funny again here we go comedian christopher titus in town and in studio what are you here doing i'm doing the minutiae stories i shouldn't tell it used to be called stories i couldn't tell but then a bunch of people died so there's going to be less lawyers involved i'm i'm excited about it and where will you be where can people go buy tickets uh the chicago improv in schaumburg i'll be doing it and we got two shows tonight two shows tomorrow one show sunday and i gotta be honest with this show has been this show is such a weird show because i go I, it's this weird callback. Like it's from when I was a kid all the way through when I'm an adult with my kids, and uh, and it's really I, I, it's the weirdest show I've ever done because it was the darkest show I've ever had to write. Really? Yeah, it's by far the darkest. Even I, darker than everything else. <laughs> the Norman Rockwell's bleeding. My, my wife says she's also a comedian. She says uh, she says yeah, this show makes Norman Rockwell look like a puppet show. Now, what yeah. is it like being married to dueling comedians? Your wife is a comedian. You, Do you know, guys she, help each other out with the writing? Not really. She's funny on her own. She was. She ran comedy clubs for a while, and we're going to film her special in February. She, she ran comedy clubs, and then she started giving me jokes. Like we started dating, and she was giving me jokes. And I bet which, that was sexy. No, I was so offended. No, I was what? so offended. No, I'm I, sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, hey, I'm the comedian. You run the clubs. Shut up. Thank you very much. I thought for sure I, you'd be like a woman that's on my level. I'm still taking that joke because it's a really good joke. But just you don't need to help me. And then one day I, t- I turned to her. one of her jokes was uh, she said that she goes uh, I had a friend in college who was a cutter. When she was naked, she looked like a harshly graded test paper, and I looked at oh, her no. comedians don't laugh here's what comedians do someone tells a good joke we go wow that's really funny like we see the mechanics of it and go that's awesome so i told her i said you need to get on stage and do comedy and she's like i don't want to do comedy i said no you need to go on stage so she said okay she wrote this show called pajamas and other things that i'm at war with and then she wouldn't get on stage and i have this weird thing like like being a comic since i was a teenager it's like it's weird like you have to hustle right and she wouldn't get on stage and i have this thing if you won't back you up how are you going to back me up you know, so I went and entered her in a comedy competition, and I didn't tell her. And oh then I, my! That was goodness. her. That was her reaction. <laughs> I came on and go. By the way, you're doing a comedy competition, uh, and she was like, "What? You can't?" She said, "Oh my god, you can't do that. You can't just enter me. I decide when I'm getting on stage." And then she goes, "Here's when I got her." She turns. She goes, "When is it?" And I was like, "Ha ha 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 ha!" So now she's awesome, and she's awesome, and and, uh, and also she had to. She didn't have to suffer in a sense that she had to do these horrible gigs, but she had to work with me. And comedy to <laughs> me is a religion. Comedy, stand-up comedy is a religion to me. Man, you do it, you do 
do it as best you can. You don't do it dirty. And, you know, if, 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 don't do anything that Red Fox did better in 1961. Try to come up with the next thing. So anyway, this new show is is, is it was really tough to write this show because the first ten times I did it on stage, because uh, it's all about the darkest stuff that happened in my life. And, and, and to, just to give you credit, my wife is the one who inspired me to do it. She's like, you can't talk. You're not talking about your sister's uh, suicide. You're not talking about this stuff. She goes, you say you're Mr. Edgy, but you won't talk about this other stuff. You didn't talk about when you got kidnapped. And I'm like, uh, uh, I got kidnapped as a kid. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> How many more things could happen to you? You yeah. are a testament. A was this before or after you rode the conveyor belts all night at this the airport? Was, this, was, uh, this was before, actually. No, no. This is, this is after. My mom sent me to live... So after the, the there's a bar incident too. I was in a bar. I got picked up by LAPD when I was four because because my mom had disappeared. So my mom so when I was four in a bar, no one bothered and it didn't bother anybody because you know because my mom was super hot. So my uncles would overlook it. Uh, so and these guys the would, air quotes on uncles by the way. Air quotes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So these guys would just keep me distracted. So they could hit on my mom. They would just give me cokes because it's easy to control a toddler when he's in a sugar coma. Oh, no. And they would pack these cokes with these bar cherries. Do you get you know, bar cherries? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that is not fruit. I'm no, sorry. It's Bar not. cherries were no. invented in a lab at Dow Chemical. There is no that cost oh, tumors no. and cinder blocks. Uh, there's, you know, there, for those of us out there that went to bars with our parents as children, we there needs to be a class action suit because of bar cherries. <laughs> like, you know, just a guy comes on the TV. Hi, uh, did you eat a lot of bar cherries as a child? To this day, do you still crap fuchsia and see dragons when you sleep? Well, you could be entitled to compensation. Call the bar cherry hotline at one eight hundred. Mom's still in rehab. <laughs> But you are a testament to surviving. What right. about you? What's so special about you that you were able to come out of that unscathed to the point that you're oh, oh, successful, please, please. you're talented, and you've made it? Please do not assume I'm unscathed. <laughs> yeah, have you spent more than 10 minutes with me? Um, I smarted off to the network president. That's why I didn't get my show. That is why my show got canceled. I, you know, there's, there's people in this business that'll be like, Titus is a little intense. I'm a little intense. I, I have. Uh, I did a thing called the Landmark Forum, which helped me a lot. My buddy here that lives in Chicago, my buddy Marshall, who's like this awesome dude, he got me in this thing called the Landmark Forum. He met me and he was like, dude, you you got all this stuff with your parents and your dad. You need to deal with it. And had I not seen my life in an absurd way, I probably would be writing it. This whole show is about tragedy. Listen, we all have tragedies. That's one thing that makes us the same. We're all going to die. Guess what? We're all going to die. Death is a bitch, but he ain't a racist. Everybody, all of us. It's the one thing that makes us the same. So all this tragedy, here's how life goes. Birth, life, tragedy. Tragedy, life, tragedy, life, tragedy, death. A lot of people have a tragedy happen and they continue to live the tragedy. You know, my mom died. Oh my God, when did that happen? 14 years ago? Really? Are you still this upset about it? I mean, we're all sad, but I get it. And you have to live between the tragedies. And that's what I've chosen to do. It's going to happen. A nightmare is going to happen. You know, um, I, when, so when I was four, I, I was hanging my uncles. My mom had gone out in the back with one of my uncles to have a uh, naked meeting oh, in, no, his, in, his, no. in his office or Dodge Dart. So they had disappeared. Um, and I was like, I'm like, you know, like most four-year-olds in a bar at midnight. I, I started to look for my mom. And I walked out the front door of the bar on Victory Boulevard in Los Angeles. And I started walking on the street. And I got picked up by the LAPD, and uh, and and the, and they're like, "Why do you smell like vodka?" I go, "That's in a Harvey Wallbanger because that's what mom drinks." Oh and, no! Oh, <laughs> and they they knew I was lost. They didn't think I was uh, like I was turning tricks or anything. You know, I mean, unless I was a prodigy, and my lips were red from the bar cherries. So <laughs> I like that's hard funny. See what he just yeah, did? He yeah. burst out laughing, Absolutely. and then he dropped his head in his I hand, did. and he went, I "Oh totally my god!" Did. <laughs> so um, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> so when I wrote this show, like you, you brought up something we were off there. You said that does it upset you to talk about this stuff? Usually not only for the first five or six shows. So I, this show's all about uh, losing my kids and my divorce and all that. It comes back around. First five or six shows, I walk backstage and I put my head down on the couch and I was almost going to burst into tears. And then about the seventh, eighth show, it all went away and the jokes made my life absurd so it no longer has any pain connected to it. And so if so, we don't need therapy. Everybody just needs to take a stand-up comedy class. That's all. And I think I, a, you sold me. And I think yeah. a good place to start is at your shows. Yes. Can you plug them one more time? Yeah. We, Dave and I could talk to you for hours, but we're, oh, do me a favor. Yeah. Bring your pain to the Schomburg Improv, and I will heal you with the power of comedy. <laughs> Come to the show. We will talk about pain, suicide, and we will give the light. To your hearts and minds, and you can have drinks. This is the kind of proselytizing I really enjoy. <laughs> Bravo! Comedian Christopher Titus, go see his show. Comedian Christopher Titus, did that, was that a jolt of energy or what, Dave? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. He's rattling off these horrible things that have happened to him. And we're with laughing! A, but he's got a smile on his face the whole time. And then you and I are laughing and feeling bad that we're laughing, and that's well, what he was talking about. I laughed, about. and then I felt bad, and then I laughed some more. <laughs> I know. He was an incredible guest. Uh, we've got a lot more for you coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. We've got Kelly Rizzo in studio. She does these awesome uh, travel guides, and she just recently went to New Orleans, the Big Easy. Have you been, Dave? I was there when the Bears were in the Super Bowl there in 1985. That's oh, the only time in my life I've been there. You've got to go back. Yeah, I do. You've got to have some beignets and some po'boys and all of that. I'm Kelly Rizzo, and my extreme passion for food, travel, and music fuels my entire life. From growing up in a Sicilian family in Chicago who raised me to explore and expand my palate, to learning everything I can about the travel industry and putting it to use, and spending my years immersed in the culture and lifeblood that is rock and roll, I now want to share it all with you. Come with me to experience the hottest destinations of food, travel, and music around the world. It's time to eat, travel, rock. Lightning and the thunder, thunder, thunder. Okay, I think that explains it all, what Kelly Rizzo does. But uh, in case you're not familiar with her and her work, I think people should know that you're local. You're a local gal. Yeah, I mean, I lived here my entire life for... 38 years until I just moved to LA a couple years ago, but I'm still, I mean, aren't you guys kind of sick of me already? I'm back every single month. No, we no. love you. Come no. and see us anytime. <laughs> Dave actually insists on it and it's in his contract. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm That's... very flattered. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> so, how are you adjusting to life out in LA? Is it super different? It is it has very to be. <laughs> different. I mean, having a car for the first time in seven years mm-hmm. and not being able to just to walk everywhere. And, you know, a fire or two that uh, makes you evacuate your house for 10 days. Did you guys have to evacuate? 12 houses on our street burned down. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was very dicey there for a little bit. You were able to come back? I haven't been back yet because we couldn't go home. And then I just I knew I was coming here. So I just had to come straight here. And Bob had to go into our house with a police escort because they weren't letting people back in just to say like please can we get some clothes and some items because we were both traveling and so he packed my suitcase you know so 
uh, you know, what I'm wearing today is courtesy of him. So thanks, <laughs> he Bob. He did a nice job. Yeah, this is Bob okay. Saget, by the way. <laughs> I know, he did all right. <laughs> so, this is yeah. the Bob you're mentioning. <laughs> exactly, exactly, the hubby. Um, but yeah, it was very scary there for a little bit. So that's something you're not used to coming from the Midwest, like all these, you know, the earthquakes and the fires that can literally have your home be not there the next day. Do you... Mm, are you gonna? Are you planning to come back often in the winter time? Well, um, after this week and these couple of days of twenty degree weather that I haven't felt in a little bit, um, I mean, you know, that's not going to keep me away. Good. There's nothing like home. It's just sweet home, Chicago, right? Pack, you know, more scarves and hats and fluffier coats. And good thing you are a traveling expert, so you know oh. exactly how to pack. Um, that is true. <laughs> tell I'm us a ab- pro. Yeah, tell us about this new series. You talked a little bit about it before, but in case somebody missed it, about these quick travel guides that you have. Yeah, so on my Instagram at Eat Travel Rock and on my website eattravelrock.com, I've been coming up with these like quick reference at a glance travel gla- guides because I'm constantly asked, you know, where are your favorite restaurants here? Or where's your favorite hotel here? And like, you know what, instead of personally putting together these lists for people all the time, let me just come up with these travel guides, have it all in one place. And these are like my tried and true and tested favorite spots in, I think I have 10 cities. Um, Most are domestic. And then there's a few international cities as well. So yeah, they're in my Instagram highlights and then on my website too. And it's just like a quick, you could just take a screenshot of it on your phone and then you have all my favorite restaurants, travel tips, things to do, activities and hotels. And your latest one is on the beautiful city of New Orleans, which I think is it feels like you're in a different country when you visit New Orleans. You really feel like you're in kind of old world Paris. And it's, uh, you know, with a very unique cuisine as well. And not only did I just release that travel guide, but yesterday I just released a new episode of my show on. So you can see that on my Instagram, too. Um, and it goes through how to take a quickie trip to New Orleans from A to Z. And it really shows, you know, all the best activities. And I ate at 19 different restaurants <laughs> wow. in two and a half days. How is it crazy? <laughs> so a lot of them are documented on there. So if you're thinking of going to New Orleans, this is a very helpful guide. Well, I love that these are super easy to digest it's not something you have to like take a ton of time right yeah right? they're just right at your fingertips so super easy um let's talk a little bit about how you started because you're really self-made you're an entrepreneur oh. you created oh, this business yourself and you really built it up uh, what made you decide to create your own business well it's funny because i'd always let's say been been my own boss i was always um you know, n- never had a typical nine to five situation because my family still they're in real estate. And, you know, my parents have been re- in real estate here in Chicago for 45 years. And I worked with them for years, like almost 20 years. And I like the flexibility of doing my own thing. But then after the market crashed and things got really difficult and I just got really burnt out on it, I'm like, I'm just going to switch gears and do something that I'm really passionate about that is more me. And I'm like, well, what do I love? Food, travel, music. And so I'm like, let's start a blog. You know how right. five, ten years ago, mm-hmm. that's what everyone was doing. And But it was still 
new in terms of the term like influencer hadn't even been coined right. yet. You were before all of that happened. So I started the blog and then I knew I wanted to do more on camera work. Um, but then it all kind of just started snowballing. You know, I started working with Chantel, mm-hmm. my producer, and we started just making these videos where we're traveling around or exploring new restaurants, new destinations, working with tourism boards. And then it really just kind of turned into, um, you know, a business in a sense that it was now my full-time job. You know, I probably don't run it as some of those like really hardcore bloggers do where they're really like making an income from their blog. Like that's not really what I'm doing. It's more of these like experiential based projects um, that I that I work with and it's it's been fun. Well, we're talking to travel expert Kelly Rizzo. She does a lot of other things as well. Kelly, can you stick around for a little bit? Yeah, sure. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Kelly Rizzo, travel expert and social media influencer, businesswoman. Do you <laughs> like that term social media influencer? You know what? It's I have mixed feelings about it and I it, my feelings about it go in waves. Like one day I hate it and the next day I like it. Some days I <laughs> I usually use like the air quotes when I say I'm like influencer, you know, when I refer to myself, because in some ways it's, I don't want to be lumped into that category because a lot of influencers, they're just on Instagram or they're just, let's say a blogger where obviously, you know, I kind of, you know, go into different arenas. Um, So sometimes I feel like it can kind of pigeonhole somebody. However, you know, it is accurate and in the sense of how else do you describe if you, if you are kind of part of your living is made on social media? I mean, that is what it's called. So I don't know. You're a lifelong <laughs> Chicagoan yes. now recently living in L.A. And we were just talking about the fires during the break. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I hope your house is going to be OK. The house is OK. It smelled a little funky for um, a few days. My husband's been airing it out while I've been gone. So he goes, it'll be good by the time you get back. Now, when you started this new business, you never thought that you would be a social media influencer. It was before all of this sort of right. happened. Yeah, it didn't exist. This uh, this entire industry didn't even exist yet. So what is your advice for people that want to be a social media influencer? What's your advice for someone that wants to start their own business? Is the market too saturated now to make money off of uh, social media and blogging? Well, I think that... There's always room for people with an authentic voice, and there's always room for people that truly have something to say. Um, if you are, let's say, wanted to be a fashion blogger or a fashion Instagrammer, and you're just starting now and you don't even have an Instagram account yet, it's going to be a little difficult because Instagram has changed so much and evolved over the last several years, where before... It used to be so easy to like grow and gain a following, and now it's so difficult. I mean, most people, unless you're, you know, hitting it big with, you know, you're going on Bravo and getting your own housewife show or something like that, you know, you're not going to go from zero to a million Instagram followers overnight like people used to do. However, it doesn't mean that you can't still grow a following of people that are truly interested in what you have to say. And I'd rather have a thousand engaged authentic true followers that like really listen to you and appreciate what you're saying than a million followers who don't you know really value your creative input and you know what you're doing there so you know and and i think a lot of brands nowadays if you're thinking of getting into this business because you want some brand deals a lot of brands are looking at that too they'd rather see high engagement 
Um, they'd rather see your followers really, truly, um, you know, commenting and really liking and actually following what you're, you know, if you're like, oh, this is a great, you know, sweater, this is a great moisturizer, whatever it is. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not in that world. However, um, if that's what you're pitching and that's what you're promoting, that you're actually influencing people to go and buy that product. And if you're doing that really effectively to a thousand people, brands would rather see that than ineffectively doing that to a hundred thousand people. So I think authenticity is key is what you're saying. It's everything. When you first started, you didn't have all of these connections established because you had, you were just beginning. Right. How did you get those interviews with celebrities and, and get people to talk to you about maybe sponsoring a trip or doing... I think it came a little bit from my real estate background in the fact that I was in sales and I was never afraid to ask for the sale and I wasn't afraid of hearing no. I was very confident in talking to, you know, the CEO of a corporation or a celebrity or, you know, I never had that fear. And also I was a little older. You know, I didn't get started in this until I was in my, let's say, early mid thirties. And so I already had that like confidence established where I would talk to anybody. So I think that helped. Um, and also before really getting into this, I did have a lot of connections in let's say like the country music world mm-hmm. and in Nashville, because that's really also when I first started who I was interviewing. I was interviewing a lot of country music stars. And were they so more accessible? Too. Were they more? Were they friendlier? Yeah, maybe I mean, perhaps. Them I think Joe's com- bar. Yeah. You know, you go to Joe's bar, you hang out there, and you're, you know, you're backstage, or you're, um, you know, I was doing working with Joe's bar and doing some mm-hmm. interviews there, so I'd meet all these people, and then I'd hang out in Nashville all the time, and they become your friends, and then it's really easy to ask a friend for an interview. So you have your travel guides. You're traveling all over the world. What else is on the docket in terms of your business and growth? A lot more travel, I would say. Um, Where do you want to go? Well, let's see. Next. Where do I want to go? I really want to go back to Japan. So I'm trying okay. to figure that out. Um, but I think there might be an Asia trip on the horizon. I'm going to, I'm really excited. I'm doing a ski trip in Central Oregon um, in January. And they have, I mean, they're like famous for their outdoors. And they've got incredible like outdoor experiences there and like Mount Bachelors there. So I'm going to do a ski trip there nice. and film there. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of what's in the next couple months, um, an Asia trip and an Oregon. <laughs> Love it. So so if you had, say, a moderate budget, 72 hours, and, and price of the airfare was not an object, where would you go? That's interesting. I honestly, I would probably do New Orleans. Like, I just went because that's exactly what I had. I had 72 hours, but the... I mean, my favorite new tip and trick is Hotwire. They have, I mean, changed the game. I have gotten hotel, like my last 10 hotels that I've booked, I've booked through Hotwire and I get probably about 50% off because you don't know your exact hotel until you book if you use their like hot rate deals. And I swear it saved me so much. My hotel here this week um, would have been 275 a night and I got it for like 150 a night for seven days straight so that's my tip for wherever you want to go but they also have their quickie guides on there where they can give you some direction for a 72-hour trip i love it kelly rizzo travel expert we always love it when you're in where can people find you you again one more plug eattravelrock.com and at eattravelrock on instagram fantastic 
be sure to go to her sites for her quick travel guides. Thank you so much for oh, being here. Thank you, guys. And we're going to take a quick break right here on WGN 720. All week, we've been talking about uh, the great organization Let It Be Us. It's a nonprofit that's dedicated to changing the landscape of foster care and adoption in Illinois. Their mission is to inspire foster care and adoption. Adoption. Of course, we have a show connection to Let It Be Us, and that is the Ross Cochran. Oh, Hi, Ross. Be. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy sorry to be your here. dad's not here yeah, for you. No, it's a. Um, it's the only time in my life he's ever let me down. <laughs> I'm sure you'll you'll not let him uh, forget. Oh it. yeah, no, no, we're not. Yeah, we're can you starting. elaborate a little bit on Let It Be Us? Yeah, so Let It Be Us is a. Um, at our core, we are a recruiting and a marketing agency. Uh, we are advocates for children in foster care in the state of Illinois. Uh, we exist to bridge the, the some of the communication gaps that come up um, so that children who need homes are able to uh, be connected to parents who are ready, willing, and able to love them. We equip and engage new foster parents, um, and we also host the marketing side of the Heart Gallery with our partners at DCFS and the Center of Law and Social Work uh, for children who are already available for adoption. You've brought a couple of guests in with you today, including yes. uh, Ken Hoving, um, and you are an adoptee. That's correct. And uh, how did you get involved with Let It Be Us? Um, it started actually not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan Stoga, who has kids that go through Barrington High School where I where I work, um, I kind of found out through other people that she uh, was involved in this, and so it kind of piqued my interest. I kind of waited for a while to find the right time to bring it up to her, and then I kind of mentioned, said, "Hey, I I know you're involved in this. Just want to let you know my kind of history." And as soon as I said it, she immediately jumped and said, "Okay, well, can, can we can we talk more?" And then. Told me what it was about, and then I went and spoke at uh, one of their mm-hmm. functions. Um, I, it obviously went well. And uh, then she's <laughs> like, hey, we'd actually have other things if you're interested. And I said, absolutely. I, if I can share my story and help others, it's, I'd love to. We'd love to hear a little bit about your story. Okay. You were not. Uh, you were in the foster care system. And how old were you when you entered it? I was about four years old. So I was, uh, myself and my four other siblings were removed from our home uh, around age four, four and a half. Um, and put, we were actually went to a place called Hepzibah, which is in Oak Park, a nice uh, a home there. And from there, went a variety of different foster homes for a while. And uh, my twin and I ended up actually, ended up in a home, uh, which ended up adopting us. But we didn't actually get adopted till age 14. So just before high school started. Wow. Okay, we're going to hear more about Ken's story and more about Let It Be Us. So keep it right here on WGN 720. Ken Hoving and Ross Cochran, both affiliated with Let It Be Us, a nonprofit organization dedicated to changing the landscape of foster care and adoption in Illinois. Before we continue with your story, Ken, you have two special guests that we need to introduce. Um, Would you like to introduce them? Absolutely. So right here I have Alexa, who's four. Can you say hi, Alexa? Hi. And then Julia, who's seven. Hi. Hi, Julia. Hi, Alexa. Are you excited to be here today? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And how are you guys related? Oh, these are my daughters. <laughs> That's right. Are you proud of your dad? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what do you love most about your dad? He's funny. Um, he tricked us to going to Florida. He tricked you to going to Florida? Uh-huh. That we sounds were- like a good trick. We were at um, North Carolina, and then, like, um, he, like, tricked us, and then um, he said, my dad said that we were going to be at 
um, our neighbor's dad um, work, but we were, but we wasn't. And then when I looked behind us, I saw my friend Molly. And then, um, and then when my dad did, when my dad pointed out the window, I saw the castle, and then I started screaming. Which castle is this, Dad? Uh, this is the main castle at United Kingdom. Fantastic! Oh my goodness, sounds like a good dad. Yeah. Um, a lot of kudo points from us. But you, your story is pretty incredible. You entered the foster care system at age four with your twin brother, and then you were adopted at age fourteen. Correct. That was ten years. Can you describe a little bit about the transition from being in foster care to finally finding a family and uh, being adopted? Yes, I mean obviously we were. I'd say in the lucky minority, um, we were at Hepzibah in that uh, in that home for probably about a year, year and a half ish, going different different homes, um, and obviously none of them seemed to work out. And then after about that year, year and a half mark, we ended up with the family that we ended up with for adoption. Um, they took us in, and we were there for quite a long time. We weren't sure what was happening, um, but then over time, by the time we got to, like I said, age 14, they decided to ask us and give us the choice on whether or not we wanted to be adopted, and of course, we both chose that route. Um, I'm sure this can't be uh, stated enough, but how much did it change your life? Uh, I would not be where I'm at today. Um, with my family, my career, I think everything pretty much involves around you know them taking a chance on my twin and I, and to be honest, to take a chance on two people is is rare, especially with twins. But um, my career alone, I mean, the opportunities that I have had growing up and being able to go to a nice high school, go to college, um, biologically the only one to go to college and graduate. You have two master's degrees. Correct. <laughs> and I'm actually starting my third one in January. Wow. Overachiever much. Yeah. Well. <laughs> So if someone's listening right now, and I do think that you have to have a sense of calling in order to go into uh, the foster care and, and program, uh, what would you just say to somebody that's feeling like, man, I feel like I could do this, but I just don't feel like things are quite in place right now. What would you say to them? I would say it's definitely a risk. It's always a risk going into the foster, especially the foster to adopt, because you don't know each time. Um, and I think a lot of people get turned off if they take that risk and it doesn't work out. Both parties have to be ready when that time comes. It's mm. They're coming in with baggage that you won't understand. And being able to be patient and communicate through that and understand it is is the hardest part. Because um, for us, obviously, we went through some homes before we ended up where we ended up. But it, it, it took time. And we knew that it's almost like you're interviewing each other. <laughs> it's a long-term interview. You're interviewing them. They're interviewing you. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't mean either side is wrong. It just means it wasn't time. Last word, Russ. I know it's got to be rewarding if yeah. you do do it. Oh, my it. gosh. Yeah. No, I just, you know, one of the things that why we find that Let's Be Us Ken's story so valuable is that um, it helps break down the most common misconception that a child who's in foster care is uh, never going to be able to be a leader in their community, never be going to be able to have a great family of their own. You know, by taking a chance on a child like that, uh, you're able to make a leader um, in their community like Ken possible. And so, where can people find more information? Uh, LetItBeUs.org. Okay. Thank you so much to Ross Cochran and to Ken Hoving with Let It Be Us. Of course, Bill and Wendy are coming up next.